Let's talk about Death Stranding. Whatever it is. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys episode 114. 114. If you are unfamiliar with us, we are a PlayStation-oriented podcast, though we talk about everybody in the gaming industry and how they pertain to PlayStation and what we'd like to see them borrow from each other or learn from each other and everything like that. Uh, so I think that even though we're PlayStation, I think it's fair to say that we are open to the idea of, we, sh- in our opinion, everybody should be able to watch our show and enjoy it without feeling like it's just a bunch of fanboyism. Even though, yeah. in the most truest of sense, I guess that's what I strive. To we do. are fanboys, right? But we're not necessarily doing it in a toxic manner. Even though I hate the word toxic, it's, the word toxic has become toxic. Is the ironic part? Only if you everyone's it, those out there. Only if you as you, if you use it as an insult. Well, yeah, but that's what a lot of people do. So that's what I mean. It's real funny how that's happened. But anyway, if you want to watch us, you can do so on YouTube in video format like we're doing right now right here every Monday at 10 a.m. PST and 12 p.m. CST. If you like what we're doing over there, subscribe and hit that bell notification button. It'll let you know when these videos go live, which is every Monday and then every Friday we have a piece of content hitting too as we start up our new off-topic podcast. It's called Whoop at Best. Uh, if you want to know what the boop is, is, then you just gonna have to go do some digging and find out on our channel if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, if you like what we're talking about, we'd love to hear your thoughts and comments in the section below. Let us know what you think about any of these things or any of your thoughts, uh, as well as giving your input on the community state question that we try and have where we ask at the end of every episode and then address at the beginning of the next episode. Um, if you don't want to watch our ugly mugs but instead want to listen to us, you can do so by going to podcast services via iTunes, Google Play Music, doesn't matter if you're on Android iPhone, you can find us on PC, we're on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, everything, it doesn't matter. iTunes is being canceled, by the way. iTunes is being split into three different services. Right, so I don't know how that's going to work I'm curious podcasts. how that's going to go as well. So yeah. you may not be able to find us on What I services. wonder if they'll do the same thing that Google did, which Google has plans to separate everything off, but then Google said what we're going to do is make a complete podcast app where all of our podcasts are separated from everything they else. They still and haven't done what they said they were going to do to make YouTube music the new music. I'm so happy because yeah. I don't care for YouTube music. I stopped music. using Google Play off that one notion alone. Yeah, I still use Google Play right now. I'm um, get used to it again and it's going to cancel or it's going to do that. So. Probably. So I, don't I got, get your hopes up. I got, I'm already paying for Spotify, so I'm good. If you listen to us and still want to give your uh, chime in with your thoughts on everything that we're talking about, you could do so by going to our social media. You can find us on Twitter. Our handle is at TriangleSQRD. You can find us on Facebook. We have a group there. If you ask to be entered, we will gladly do so. Saul's not on Facebook, but you can find me and a bunch of other people. Uh, that is the Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast group. If you want to join our day-to-day, moment-to-moment conversations like so many of our community have, and we're so thankful that they do, it's a very fun little thing. We have our Discord. We can find in the link down below. There's a the link in the description below that you can use to get into there uh, and hop into there. And lastly, if you would like to support us with as little as a dollar just to help support the show uh, and what we're doing and things that we want to, to do to expand out our uh, NARTEC production thing Umbrella. as it is now um yeah so if you want to do that you can do so and there's some cool stuff that we're probably going to be doing i asked about stickers and i think that that seems like a fun thing uh so i'm probably going to go toward like that name yeah um so yeah it, we'll probably set it up very soon 
I may do it here in the coming week or two, maybe after E3 when we have a little bit more time. Uh, set the sticker thing up and get that moving to where if you become a patron, you'll get a sticker sent to you. Uh, but yeah, there's other cool stuff like custom cases and whatnot. So with all of that said, I think it's time to move on and open this show the way it's supposed to go, Saul. What have you been doing? And for once this week, I actually have played a ton with you. Yeah. So I really know what you've we've, been doing. We've been playing a lot of Destiny. But the listeners don't. So. We Yeah. We have probably rated more this weekend Destiny than we have in our entire Destiny career. I have technically done 2.9 raids. I've done 3.5. In, in five days. Yeah. I've done 3.5. And I think tonight, if all goes as planned, we'll be finishing up. Scourge what other raids did you do? We did uh, Leviathan, or not Leviathan, Last Wish twice plus Scourge plus Scourge boss. I didn't know you did the Last Wish twice. Did you do yeah. another one with Diana? Yeah. Okay, So cool. we're going to have, uh, I think, I think she's doing it again today, but I'm probably not going to jump on today until later tonight. Because mm-hmm. um, she asked me in a PSN message yesterday if, if she's still going to, or if she needed extra people. This is what people she doesn't know. And she only needed one at the time. Uh, and I was like, well... This was yesterday, like I said, and I was like, we're going to do some Gambit because Joe is about to offline line. And then she's like, cool, I'm going to start a fresh scur- or a Scourge later. Y'all get what y'all can, and I'll find somebody if we need to. And then, of course, we did Scourge of the Past. Yeah. So I haven't played anything else other this week than Destiny. Um, but I saw that Days Gone's going on sale finally for 40 bucks, so I'm going to pick that up next week, uh, which falls in line perfectly for me because after Thursday, or I say next week, it's going to be this current week. Uh, that you guys are listening to this after Thursday, so just three days from now, technically, uh, I'll be on vacation for 11 days. So I will have a lot of E3 stuff planned. I may be out of town for a good chunk of the week after, but um, yeah, I'll be playing Days Gone for sure if I'm not. Just yeah. To, just to snag it for 40 bucks. But uh, it also depends on what season of Opulence offers this coming weekend, Destiny, as well, because if it offers some good, good stuff, then Days Gone may be bought and put on the back burner. But have you been playing on, um, what was it called? Uh, what, my other game I was playing last yeah. week? Team Sonic Racing? Team Sonic Racing, yeah. I don't yes. know why I can think of it. <laughs> I was thinking of Kart Racer in my head, but I'm like, what, what Kart Racer was it again? I almost had Little Big Planet. Yes, I did. Uh, and actually, Little Big Planet Karting is a fantastic game. Even if it's just essentially a Little Big Planeted out reskin. And a slight retooling of Mod Nation Racers, uh, but fantastic game. PS3 only. I wish that they would find a way to get the, you know, I, I know that's probably not lucrative. That game didn't sell enough to warrant a remaster, but it is what it is. I still have a PS3 and I can still play it, but for new people, I wish it could be played. Well, the PS3 um, servers got shut down, didn't it? What do you mean? For uh, Little Big Planet Racing. Probably. Little Big Planet Carding. I, I don't know for sure, but yeah, I'm, I'm fairly, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Uh, the game did not warrant it. But no, what's funny is Little Big Planet 1's servers are still on, and that game's quite old at this point. Uh, but yeah, I played Destiny 2, and then I played uh, and beat and did a little bit of trophy cleanup. I'm not done uh, with Team Sonic Racing. There's one specific type of race in the game that I can't understand what it is. I beat the entire game on hard, got three stars on everything, got keys on everything, which is like a certain challenge that you have to do while also completing at least one of the other star uh, requirements, and then you'll get a key. And there's this one type of race that I have yet to be able to get a platinum medal on, and the, and those are the ones that give you the final star for each map. So there's four trophies, or seven trophies, I'm sorry, that I'm missing out on um, that are specifically tied to getting every star in every chapter. 
uh, and it's like one race on the first chapter, and then every other chapter is like two of these. And they're races where there's like a post, and on one side it's yellow and one side's red. When you go through the red side, it gives you a multiplier improvement uh, or a score multiplier. So you go from one to one point one, and every time you hit one, it goes up until it caps out at one point five. Then what happens is whenever you have that multiplier, when you go through the yellow side, you'll get the score that you would have gotten multiplied by the, the multiplier. And you've got to get a certain score to get up and go. There's a bunch of other things that go into bonus. How fast you were going in when you hit them to what speed you get, whether you were drifting. So you'll get a drifting bonus, even if you're hitting the multiplier side to give you extra score. And I have done every other race in that game flawlessly, have everything done, and I cannot, for the life That's... of me, figure out how to get the platinum. I can get the gold in most of them, but there's something I'm not doing. And I'm, I'm waiting to see if there's a trophy guide that will show the optimal which number of things to hit and there's the the pass will split sometimes so you've got to look and see maybe there's a preferred path that gives you more opportunities get more multipliers and more points and stuff like that um that's a weird mechanic for a racing game well it, and it's a, you don't do it with anybody else this is one of the they're very seldom races there's only like i said one or two per chapter but they're only you there, another type of race that they have in there is called a ring challenge and what happens is you have a time limit and anytime that you get rings, it goes towards a score. But if you're drifting when you get the rings, then you get time back. But if you're not, then you just get the rings. So you have to do this thing where you're finding and hitting the rings, and there'll be long strings of them. And then in between that, it'll just be little pockets of them. And you, want to and you have to try and – well, you have to also – the long strings you have to drift through as well. I guess that makes sense, so, yeah. But, and, and I've done all those. I think there might be one that I haven't gotten the, the platinum on, but I know I can do it because I've done it with everything else. So it's just a – it's it's annoying me slightly, but kart racers tend to have that one trophy or that one thing in them that's like, why is this so hard? Mod Nation racers, uh, for the PSP, the road trip version, or PS Vita, um, had it to where you had to go back and beat every track's developer time, which was like the best time a developer's had. And you had to be 20 seconds under the entire, because it was like, what happened is the time was accumulative across all tracks. Okay. So you had to, on every track, you had to go and shave down that time until the end of that run. You had five uh, tracks, and you'd be under their time. And you had to do that per, if I'm remembering right, you had to do that per section. What a, th- These are just really non-traditional racing mechanics for like car racers to me. I guess because I'm well, seeing some And, and a lot of them are trophy-related. Right. You know, it's like, because there's no... Well, okay, it depends, right? The classic thing where before trophies, it was like you would just create the challenge in your head of like a platinum medal exists in this game, so I'm going to do everything I can to get it, even though there's no extra incentive to do so. Trophies created an incentive to give people to do that, and that has actually helped me go an extra mile in games where when games got really where I was getting them often, it's like real easy to want to put a game down and not finish it or finish everything that the game has to offer, even if you beat the story. Right. And this is a way to do that. But I mean, yeah, it's kind of what it is, is you wouldn't have to do this to the level that the, I'm looking for. If I wasn't aiming for a trophy. Gotcha. Okay. That makes, or more sense. if I hadn't set a personal goal to do okay. it, but in this case it's a trophy. That makes so. more sense. Though. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean the game is fun. I really enjoy it. When we were going to play online, when I played with Kiki and Richard, it had some issues with the ranked matches. So you had to do non-ranked. Um, I would not be opposed to going back and doing more of the rank things. I like a lot of the trophy design because a lot of the trophy uh, stuff is fun and it kind of ties into the rest of the thing. So there's one that's called Villainy 101. And you can't do it in the story modes. You have to go to free race. Uh, and you have to be playing as Eggman 
And when you're playing as Eggman, you have to spin Sonic out three times in the same race. And that's just a fun, like, little rivalry poke. Trophies can sometimes have a little fun extra added value of how they choose to play them off in the the rest of stuff. But uh, anyway, with that said, I think it is time. To not hop in the drop because there is no drop due to E3, at least as of when we're recording this. Yeah, this is a normal happening. I mean, the past three years, basically. Who would want to? Well, this is what happens, right? It's two things. Who would want to release the same, you know, right around E3 when you're going to get people are going to just not get as much attention toward their games because people are so hyped up about E3 and secondarily actual week of E3 release. The reason that you don't tend to have one. So there probably won't be one next week either uh, is going to be the fact that so many people do the thing where they go up on stage and go, the game releases right now. You can go and get it. You know what I mean? Right. That's just a thing that started happening a few years back. So, which is what's crazy too. I, I wish I'd see more of that. It's always really exciting and surprising to see. It is. It's available now. And I I think, like, you know, they they use that to great effect. I really think Sony did. Everybody's used it to an extent, right? But I think Sony uses the great effect twice. Resident Evil 7 demo. uh, And that was obviously inspired by the way that they did PT. And PT was a great, hey, here's a trailer for something you have no clue who is involved with or anything, but it's scary. Go play it. And then everybody ended up getting a game that they wish would have come out. It's kind of a crazy situation, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. With that said, I guess I will go ahead and hop over into the news. Uh, and it's a bit of a doozy week for the news. So the first well, thing I'll hit, <clears throat> you're right. I'm sorry. Saul. I have all that pulled up in front of me and I'm, I'm losing the forest for the trees. Uh, the community's take what we asked last week. Our episode was about PlayStation Productions, the new uh, unit that Sony started to take PlayStation IP and move them into different media, be it TV or film. Though, I, I mean, I guess, is there anything that would they start putting the books like the novelizations of God of War into that as well? I guess it's not really a production at no, that point. I don't think I don't think that would be included. <clears throat> but either way. The grand idea is to start finding ways to get the IP from PlayStation out into other media so that you can either bring new people in through that other media and get them to play the games or to give people who enjoy the games something to do like in between where they have God of War 1 and then God of War 2, say, are three years apart, but a year and a half in between those, they have a limited run series that is just something extra for you to see and understand the world. Some more lore, some side content, you know, with characters that may or not make it into the game, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So what we asked uh, for the community's take was... Uh, let's see. I have the question here. I'll copy it exactly. What PlayStation franchise do you want to see adapted into a series or movie? Would you prefer it to be an extension of the game's universe that is canon, or would you rather it exist in its own universe utilizing the same characters? Uh, so I'm going to start off on the Discord first. Mr. Bobo May, Josh, says, I will be lame and say Metal Gear. And this is going to get me into something. I'll start here, and then we can go on for the rest of that. He says there's already a huge story that could be told from all the games that they can really start anywhere they wanted. Although I would like for them to start with the first Metal Gear from the 87 MSX home computer, they could just as easily start with Metal Gear Solid for the PS1. Considering Kojima gets many of his ideas from Hollywood film, I feel like it wouldn't be too hard to find ways of adapting it into a film and it not seem like it's stealing from those movies. Uh, what's really funny, were you in the party chat with us whenever, um, yeah, you were, it was yesterday when we were doing the nightfall, Yeah. uh, and Joe was talking about, we were, we were naturally talking about Kojima's games and stuff. And we got to the point where like a lot of the stuff that you saw for the early games was that 
It was always based around the idea that Kojima intended originally to want to do movies, but he got into games because he thought it'd be easier to get into. Yeah. Uh, and it proved right. You know, games were games were still pretty nascent at the time, and movies had been a thing for a long time in a big industry that was harder to break into. Uh, so I think by doing this, he's gotten to the point where I would not be surprised if we actually do see Kojima end up making a film in these later years of his life. Yeah. Uh, I will say, though, I can't think of what it is called. Escape from something, I think. Oh, Escape but, from L.A. Yeah, that, that's totally Metal Gear Solid. That's what he based... Uh, Snake Plissken is yeah, the name of the that's, character. That's what he yeah. based the series on, was that movie. from. And Snake mid-80s. looks like him a lot. Even even down to it, him It's the having, costume, too. Yeah. It's everything. Everything it's, down to the eye it, patch. At least the know? first rendition, yeah. But then yeah. he added stuff later, like the eye patch and stuff, yeah. to, to make him more like that character. So, I, like, Metal Gear Solid's weird because Kojima's no longer part of Konami, and now Konami owns Metal Gear Solid, so that will never happen. Well, not now. They always did, but... Well, yeah, yeah now uh, Kojima really can't have nothing to do with it. Though. But what I wanted to bring into that actually was, and, and Liam followed up with it, he said PlayStation franchise. And one of the funniest things I saw across this is that there are, this is one of those examples of series that are so synonymous with one console that sometimes people will forget that they are not in-house studios and I think that that's our in-house franchises uh, we saw a lot of answers that veered towards games that are synonymous with PlayStation but not necessarily PlayStation owned I even saw that in some of the articles that were talking about PlayStation productions where people were talking about people were, were the art the article writer was saying uh, that they thought Tomb Raider was a good example of a game that could use this. I was like, that's funny, because Sony's never owned Tomb Raider. All the way down to the point that it's odd to me that people are able to so easily forget how upset PlayStation fans were when Rise of the Tomb Raider got a small exclusivity window on a console that the game had never been synonymous with. So it was like, if anything... Tomb Raider as a, on a console has, has is so tightly aligned with PlayStation because of being so such a big game for the PS1 all the way through the PS2 through the PS3. So man, my dogs are not happy. <laughs> I know, that's what I'm thinking. But um, yeah, so I've, there's going to be a couple of answers on this that you will probably look at and go, "That's not a PlayStation franchise." But I appreciate where they're coming from this, and I and Josh even responded with, "That's why I said they could start from PlayStation version of Metal Gear Solid, but would rather they start from the actual beginning." But the, again, that all comes down to you're just looking at a game so synonymous with something. Yes, those were exclusives, but they weren't exclusives in the idea that Sony ever owned them. Well, something interesting, too, El Chabib said, I would say none. Bringing games and movies together and having them on a continuum is very difficult to do. While that is correct, we loop back to what you just said with Laura Croft, and people often say those movies aren't good. Yeah. What's well, crazy? I haven't. I, we should both clarify. I don't think either of us have seen the newest no, no. Tomb Raider, right? But no. But this kind of goes for specifically Laura Croft because of the way the story works. But then you loop it in with most video game movies. The reason they suck so bad is because the the stories for video games can't be adapted to the full screen that well. They Which ever- brings us to the number one thing, and I'm glad you said that. This is technically I'm going to consider it part of it. He didn't do well, it in response to that. Go, but you, go you, ahead. I'll, I'll go ahead and say Liam did say Twisted Metal would be uh, would be a good movie, but a better TV show. I kind of agree with that. And then what my favorite response to this period would be the Gravity Rush animated movie, and he said, or we could do it in in CG. Um, which then somebody said, or Josh, one of our patrons, said, dang, I was about to say a Gravity Rush anime, which would be really, really cool as well. 
But another patron, Atlas, he said, I would love to see an infamous boot movie. It would basically be a superhero movie, but infamous is my jam, and it could have some really cool moral ambiguity involved in the plot. So, Atlas, I'm totally down with you in the fact that infamous is fantastic. And here's what I would say. This is my grand take on the idea of infamous being adapted into a movie. I have everything set up. Write an original story. Let it be a new character and do what they've always talked about being possible. from, Delson. And then we saw them do from the get-go where uh, Delson was just another conduit in this world. And you got to see the world through his eyes, which is one of the greatest things about Infamous, right? There's no shortage of power possibilities. Everybody reacts differently. Their conduit gene reacts and gives them a power separately. Uh, and you can see this happen across a number of characters in a number of different cities and states or whatever the heck you wanted to do. Different parts of the world if you even wanted to. Uh, and what I love about that there's a number of things you could do here, but I would love you. I would love for Sony to utilize their Sony Animation Studios, uh, and what I would want it would be to give it to them and give it to the team that did Enter the Spider Verse, and I would want them to use the technology they formulated with Enter the Spider Verse, and then make the movie based around the look and feel that Sucker Punch gave with the infamous comic book panel slides they would normally have in some of the opening scenes and stuff because infamous is very much inspired by comics. So I think letting something, and it makes perfect sense. Sony already owns the animation studio that made the technology that gives us this comic book feeling. They can adapt it a little bit to make it a little more adult, adult oriented and fit the aesthetic of, uh, of infamous and pull it off beautifully. Um, so that would be my pitch, and I'm definitely with you. We had a couple of people mention Infamous, and I'm so glad because I'm, I'm glad that Infamous isn't dying away. It's, it's staying a franchise that so many people are like, I would love to see it again. Yeah. So um, To wrap off Discord real quick, though, before we go into Twitter with what you were saying, yes. uh, Donovan has an interesting one. He says, how about a Sly Cooper anime, but as humans instead of anthropomorphic? Why did I just revert? I reversed that. <laughs> An anthropomorphic Anthro yeah and i said anthropomorphic no that's the right way to say Anthro yeah moporphic whatever english is hard guys but uh yeah i think that'd be kind of cool i'd actually see that being well worked for like a cartoon where they could have like um some or like maybe like an anime like where i've seen it before like um where characters are supposed to represent an animal or something but they have a trait on them like a backpack that would be sly cooper's color or something and then um you know stuff like that that would you know symbolize. now that you say that what is what has been done that was there's been a, a lot, lot of that's been fan art yeah you know, if we're being honest it is but i can't think of what it is see i don't know has there ever been an official thing where they utilize characters from something that was existing that were originally anthropomorphic or animal like and instead gave them humanistic character like a humanoid body and characteristics but then gave them something that tied into what there's something out there i just don't know what it is like I know, I know in the back of my mind there's something I've seen. If y'all know what it is or have an example that's not even that, just give it to us because I'm curious and interested. But more importantly, I think that becomes a weird thing of doesn't that get to the point of like, doesn't that feel at that point that they're just utilizing an idea and going with it? I'm not saying that I'm even against the idea necessarily, but I don't know that Sony's upper people would say that that idea makes a lot of sense monetarily and idea wise because what this serves to do for a series like Sly Cooper which is kind of probably sadly to my detriment dead um, or at least very you know not being used as much as I feel like it should be 
based around sales and stuff. Can't do anything about it. Uh, but I think in that situation, the idea of being able to make something like a series would be that something that could be accessible to a new crowd while still feeling familiar. It could be something that would be a great nostalgia pull for people who love the original series. But I feel like for the most part, that would want to be fan service to an extent while also reaching a new market to be something to act as a fill-in for the fact that there's probably not going to be another game for some time. So I feel like you'd want them to stay anthropomorphic and be their characters and have some kind of a through line um, that would that would kind of fix that. Um, but Sony has so little of anthropomorphic characters these days. That's just not something they do as much as they did during the um, the, the whole idea of platforming mascots very early days with yeah. PS1 and well, early not PS2. Of, not a lot of companies do that anymore. Like Nintendo still does it by default with Link and Mario. PlayStation technically, you know, they have like Alloy and Kratos and stuff like that, but it's not really intentional like it used to well, be. Well, yeah, you're, you're right on the sense of the um, of the mascot. But I think more importantly, in the late 90s and even into the early 2000s, there was a really big deal about how they handled... It was like everybody wanted their mascot to be a platforming mascot. Partly it was because that genre was just really big in that time period. But it was also just like it was one of those things where it was a character that was easy to slap up and people see and look like, that's iconic. I look at Jack and Daxter and I say that I think of PlayStation when I think of that or I look at Crash Bandicoot and I think of PlayStation when I think of that and what's funny is he is anthropomorphic but Crash doesn't really ever talk so that's just one of those interesting things Um, but I I, I see where you're going and I mean I'm not saying it would fail I don't know I mean that's just I guess it would depend on what Sony views doing something for a franchise that's been a little bit more dormant like that it would be interesting if there was a more uh, ratchet and clank would be the closest example we could find of anthropomorphic but that's technically because it's aliens not just animals um so but that would be like saying would they make a live action uh ratchet and clank movie where they're humans instead of animals and would do you feel like that would really be the spirit i don't know interesting idea either way uh, i'm just and actually if you're listening to this what do you think about that idea let's see uh but going over to twitter real quick mr no fate sean one neo says in response to some of the things that we were talking about, how uh, seeing them as individual original stories that can or cannot be tied canonically to the main series, he says, I strongly disagree. Movies like Resident Evil, Hitman, Assassin's Creed, and Super Mario Bros. are all considered bad movies, mainly due to messing with the original material. So this is in response to saying, uh, there was a quote from Sean Layden, uh, that we talked about last episode where he said a lot of the times it's people adapting the things and not understanding the source material. And we thought, you know, try, one of our claims was that trying to do something and take a game that is made to be paced with gameplay intervals in between is really hard to take to a two-hour movie where those gameplay sections are not there to change the pace and do the pacing in a very different way. Right. Um, So with that, he continues, if they make The Last of Us movie, I wanted to sell the same story for my non-gamer friends to experience. Uh, And we kind of went back and forth on it. My main thing is that I fall back to, I think I agree with Sean in that the reason that those movies were considered bad movies was not because they messed with source material as much as the fact that the people writing those movies did not understand the games that they were trying to write for. So they, they don't feel like they belong in the franchise that they're supposed to be representing. And you see that across the board, uh, you see Assassin's Creed and there's some pretty simple things with Assassin's Creed. And to be fair, I haven't watched the whole movie. I've seen bits and pieces and I remember the trailer pretty fondly. 
But Saul, uh, his brother Seth, is a huge Assassin's Creed fan, and he enjoyed the movie, but he even said himself, there's a lot of changes that they made in trying to make it more popular with different audiences and trying to make it work. And part of it comes down to a lot of people who are going to watch these movies are going to be people who played the games. That's the majority of what the idea behind licensing a product is, is that you have an immediate audience who's willing to go ahead and pay money based off of name recognition alone. So you say, I'm making a Tomb Raider movie. And people go, I love the Tomb Raider games. I know what Tomb Raider is. I'm going to go watch this movie. But if you made a movie... If you made a game movie and tried marketing it to people who that wasn't aimed at, it wouldn't make as much sense to them. So part of what I think happens here is that they try and change the source material too much. They try and have some of the source material and source inspiration behind it to try and pull in people to watch them that are fans of the games. And then sometimes that ends up being that people who end up being fans of those movies are people that were never fans of the games and doesn't don't understand the disconnect between the material and what's trying to be. Well, also, you have to think about it, too, with the games he listed, with the exception of Assassin's Creed, those games don't have real stories. Mario's going to save a princess in the castle. There's characters in that story, but there's not many. Resident Evil took place in a mansion. Like, there's backstory to there, and there's a bad guy, sure, but... Like, the game... Those are the type of games that focus on the gameplay. Well, that's what I was bringing up earlier. And then you have... Uh, what else was it? It was Hitman. Hitman has, like... Like, there's an overarching story, but it's told through the way you go about assassinating characters and why you're having to assassinate them. That also won't really work as a movie. Yeah. It's like, what is the game trying to do? And now, what's funny is his example of The Last of Us. I actually think if you took The Last of Us story and tried turning it into a movie, it would probably be a more successful movie than any of those by even with the source material. You know what I mean? It's because like Saul's saying, they're extrapolating items out of stuff that doesn't really, is not rich in story in a, in a exposition dialogue sense. It's more rich in lore. So then what they're trying to do is pull lore and make a movie out of that. Right. So, but you were going to get up and stretch. I, I No, no, I'm just going to go get up on my nose. Cause I'm keep sniffing in the mic. I got you, bro. Nope. I, nope. Last time I used those, those are like 50 year old Kleenexes. If you ever come to Brett's house, don't use those. I don't Look, think Angel Soft makes Kleenexes anymore. I had, those were my grandpa's. I've had them for a long time. Oh, uh, anyway, we will move along. Uh, see, I think he said something else um, in regards to that. And I'm going to go see if I can find it real quick. Um, let's see. I kind of lost the f- lost my placing here. Uh, anyway. We were talking about it. So his answer specifically to the question I put out on Twitter was, Death Race was a good movie, so I have high hopes for the upcoming Twisted Metal series. I also think it's possible to make a Wipeout 2097 movie, kind of like Star Wars Episode One's Pod Racing, or even Ready Player One. Now, one of the things I think is interesting about this is Death Race was a fine movie because it's a movie that's more around the action and not telling a compelling story necessarily, though it had a story. Um... I think that I agree that my response to this, and I still hold to that, is that Twisted Metal's PS3 release, even though it was divisive in a number of ways, I think it showed that a live-action series would work really well because the way they actually did the cutscenes in that game are all live-action renditions um, using stylistic things from going from smooth motion uh, across pictures in the background to make it stylized or having full-on live-action cutscenes to using picture frames to flick between stuff that would be a little bit more uh, gory. And I think that what that showed is that the idea is is really simple to go. What we're going to do here is, and I think this would be a great way, have each episode or even each season, I think the episode would be better if they did hour-long episodes and let them kind of act as Black Mirror where 
all the episodes exist and they're all part of the same universe, but they're not ever necessarily tied together. So what you could do is you could be like episode one would be Dollface. And we're going to go through Dollface and how she meets up with Calypso and hears about the race and she goes to the tournament and all that happens. And maybe we see some of the characters or whatever, but they're not meant to tie into each other. It just happens. Then it goes through all of Dollface's motivations for getting in, what she wanted out of it she ends up winning or losing or whatever happens. And if she wins the, the twist for Calypso and twisted metal is always that he'll grant you your wish, but it's always some twisted form of it. Uh, so again, you could have that to be where the, the through line that'd be cool for every episode is seeing what you could do with that format. The format's always going to be introduce a racer, introduce their motivations, give them character development within this hour long episode, resolve however you're going to resolve and see how you're going to be able to continue utilizing this, this structure of letting it be ending with Calypso, uh, either granting or not granting the wish. And if he does, how's he going to twist it to make it tor- uh, tortured? And you could leave all of those episodes separate. I think that'd be amazing. Yeah. Even if it was a limited run series where they only do it once one season where it's, it's an episode of every character, uh, that's a really a major recurring character in most of the games. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily have to do it to everybody, but you could do it to people like, um, and I, how am I forgetting his name? Sweet tooth. Uh, no, not sweet tooth. The other guy, uh, let's see. There's Axel. You have sweet tooth. You Jax have Calypso. too, right? Which one, the J? Um, I don't think so. Been a little while since I played twist metal. Sadly. It's been, yeah. It's been a, um, since the PSP game. Is it Priest? We'll see. We'll pull up a character sheet real quick. It's bothering me that I can't I really thought there it. was somebody with a name. Charlie Preacher. Kane. Preacher is his uh, is the name of the one I was talking about. Um, but yeah, there's plenty of characters that you could look at um, and, and go through. I don't think that you'd have to do everyone. And I think that would be one of the biggest things. Um, but there's a lot of cool ways to pull that off. Uh, so I would be agreed with that. And I think that Wipeout 2097... Uh, or Wipeout in general, I think you can find a pretty compelling way to make that work. So, um, and I like the idea of making a movie that's sole purpose is more around the idea of like the episode one Star Wars pod racing. Because the thing that made that weird is that the pod racing fell out of place in the rest of the movie, but the pod racing wasn't a problem in and of itself. It's that it was weird in a movie that otherwise had nothing to do with it. It only existed to serve in showing that Anakin was a genius for his age, but that never really ever manifested itself anywhere in the rest of the trilogy. So it's like, eh, was that really worth setting up? Um, let's see. Let me find that again. And we'll go through the rest of the Twitter ones before we head over to the Facebook ones. So let's see. Mr. Sweet Jones, as he's known here, Ryan says, I feel like infamous is a good candidate, especially in an animated series. Like we said, I would love to see that either way, be it a movie or even going through an animated series. But I think a, feature-length movie done in that same animation style or at least taking inspiration from the animation style that they set up and changing it around a little bit from Spider-Verse would be amazing. Uh, Let's see. Michael Miller says, a a spy thriller series based on Siphon Filter could be amazing. I actually agree. What a great way to use a, a, a franchise that's been essentially in slumber since 2007. Yeah. So. That'd be kind of cool, even though like spy movies are typically played out and they're very um, samey like, series. And I feel like you might be able to you, do more there's with been spy series before. That's the problem. It's like Cypher <laughs> Filter is a cool series; it would be cool to see. But like, there's nothing that sets it apart from James Bond. 
right? Well, yeah, but Jason, ba- J- Jason, <laughs> James, or Bond. Jason Bourne for that matter. <laughs> yeah, um, but those are all movies, and I think by specifically moving them around and not making a movie, but instead making a series where you can, I think a lot of the weaknesses of those movies, in my opinion, because I actually don't, I, I don't think that the, I don't think Casino Royale was a good movie. Oh boy, you messed um, but up. this is also just opinions, uh, but. I think some of that comes from the limitations of what a movie has, where you're trying to do a lot within a little. So what's going to happen when you're in, in a in a what do you call that a genre that's so played out like you're talking about is because they always do those as movies. It's very I don't I can't remember the last time I saw a spy thriller that wasn't a movie. And the thing is, is that when you give a little bit more time and say that you do a series full of twelve hour long episodes or forty five minute episodes or whatever you want to say. I think that you could do a lot more originality with that than trying to cram a lot of stuff into a very short window. Well, that's the problem with spy series, though, right? It's like, what kind of originality is there? Well, you, but also, when have they been given a format change to try and be more original within, I mean, that, within a new on, format? Depending on you ask, people say Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is a spy series. I haven't watched it, but I, I guess... Dealing with Hydra and stuff and like all that. In like, some series, yeah. in some sense, it's a, even if it's not necessarily a spy thriller, I guess it'd be like a. I love spy, uh, I love spy movies. Government. I love spy movies and all that entire genre, but like, I think that's the thing is that like it's hard to see something you haven't seen before and it just gets really stale. But I mean, that's true. Filter is a good, uh, is a very, very good answer for that, but. Then they could make also could take they a, can move into a Days Gone uh, live action series that follows it because there's no nope, because Easter Walking egg. Dead no nope, Walking Dead's already dead and Days oh. Gone I guarantee you wouldn't be on the par of that show production quality wise oh, how man. long how long in the budgeting that who knows I'd hope the writing never the, 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 see the thing about this is that if Sony's the one doing this you'd hope that they would be able to the, the idea would be that unlike The Walking Dead which I think most fans everybody I know literally in person that watched The Walking Dead quit watching it forever ago because they said it just fell off but it keeps going because it's a money machine right so that probably means that some of the people that told me they don't watch it are lying and they watch it anyway. Uh, no, that's about right. Like people fall off by season three to four and then they come back on and then they realize, oh, they're focusing on characters nobody cares about. And then like, oh, how are these characters still alive when all the other ones are dead? How did this happen? This doesn't make yeah. any sense. Well, and there was and one honest. example that was brought up about how they handled Rick and his exit from the show. That yeah. He was like, it makes no Terrible. sense. Yeah, everything about that show towards the end started winding down for me. So anyway, but my point is you would hope that someone would have a little bit more control over not wanting to let something go until it's played out. And I think that's the problem with Walking Dead is a lot of people loved it, but it reached a point where it was still too valuable of a series. So the people behind it didn't want to stop doing it. Well, my problem is, is that similar to Siphon Filter, there's so much already crowded in the zombie genre. That's also true. Yeah. Doing something original for that. Like there's nothing original in Days Gone. Is there? You have the the hordes, which is in every zombie movie. Uh, you have well, crafting every mechanics, zombie movie since what game. World War Z, I guess, was the first time they really focused on horde hordes. I mean, I guess so, but there's um, like I can't remember a movie before that really worried about a full horde. Like you know, you may get a couple of zombies here and there. Are there ten to fifteen zombies? Like you could go back and watch Dawn of the Dead had that in scenes. And I don't, I, I guess, I, I don't consider ten to fifteen scenes. to be a horde. I guess that might just be a, a linguistic thing. In my mind, you know, even the game, the smallest hordes at the beginning of the game are at least 40 to 50 zombies. And then when you get to the end of the game, you're I've talking two to seen, 300 I've zombies. I've never seen a video of that many zombies in one. I've oh. seen hordes, and I've seen like maybe 15 zombies. No, <laughs> I'm telling you. So there are small hordes in the game, I guess. The, the smallest hordes are, I, I, I mean, I'm telling you, the smallest hordes are at least 30 large. 
I've never seen a horde that small. Like I was watching a guy run through and like there was a horde in front of him on his, when he was on his bike and he like literally like yes. flipped around the tunnel. Yeah. yeah and that, it went into that it. wasn't that many zombies. I was like 15 zombies. That wasn't a horde then. Cause there, there are, so there's just that many zombies just in that area. Sometimes. Yes. Okay. I would assume they're all standing that close together, all huddled around moving like the that. hordes horde. literally migrate and move in like a well, weird that's what this one looks migratory like. It looks like it was all in the same area and then they're all moving. The it's same also way. possible that the game had some of them get sh- like, caught off because Sometimes when you're taking them out, you can get a part of the horde to come after you while the rest of them kind of keep going about their business. You can kind of draw some away, yeah. and then the rest of them will kind of straggle off. Some people don't like that because it means that uh, you have to find a couple that may have straggled off to be able to finish the horde in terms of how the game sees it. That's weird. Um, it's not a horde if they straggle off. They're not part of the horde anymore, right? Well, it's because you're pulling them away, right? It's like you're pulling them all to come toward you and attack so you. So if I find a horde out in the wild, I don't have to worry about going another... 300 feet away from it to find the last two. They should still be together. Normally, you normally you won't have to, but if it's a really large horde and you've really been attacking it the whole time uh, and, and it's taken you a long time, a couple of them can kind of just get away from you as you continue to run around. They may lose your aggro and then they're just kind of out there, but they're still considered part of the horde originally. Right. So, I'm excited to play it. but I, I but think you will enjoy it. That's one of those things that's like, though, but it's like... Uh, Horizon would be cool because there's not much like that. The God of War would be kind of cool despite like Vikings and stuff having a thing and that, you know, it's not really Greek. Well, I didn't but. watch Vikings, but Vikings was very much set in the realistic tone of it, right? So one of the, I didn't watch it either. I always, always saw clips. It's like Gotham. Bl- I've never watched Blaze, Gotham. But. Yeah, Blaze talked about it and from everything I've gotten, it's very much a realistic take on things set back in that time period. So God of War would be cool because it'd be doing something like that where it's actually playing with the gods. Now, I mean, you have the Thor movies and stuff, but I think going with something a little more set in the old times of Norse mythology and then something like Thor, which was trying to bring a character from that time period in the modern times and, you know, and then kind of existing as a separate you, realm almost like when he goes to Asgard, it's it's well, that's a dim- if it's it's a I think it's a different dimension, right? I yeah, something like that. I don't know what they consider. I assume it's or a different a separate dimension universe too. or something. I don't know for sure. Um, One thing though that he does that Michael does say uh, with Last of Us Days Gone, God of War, different Michael. I know, yes. yeah, different Michael. Okay, he says Last of Us Days Gone, God of War, and Horizon. We did talk about God of War. Horizon would be pretty cool from a. I think that they would be able to film a Horizon movie series very similar to Avatar, where if they can get a good cinematographer in it, it would be shot really well. That'd be really, really cool. And if they could set scenes up really well, that'd be amazing. Days Gone, like I said, I don't think that'll work in any format, and neither will Last of Us, and I'll tell you why about The Last of Us. You could probably do a breakaway series from The Last of Us. However, it's going to have Little Brother Syndrome, where it's going to feel like a tag-along, because, and it's not going to feel as important to the main series. Um... The, the characters in Last so of Us... So what do you mean? Like the series itself is too big and too much series, of a fandom the, for that to ever yes. work out in a way that feels like it's not a bastardized version? Yes. The series has done the characters so well that you've grown accustomed to that if they say, this is Last of Us and it doesn't have any characters you know of, it's not really The Last of Us. At that point, it's a zombie movie. And then if you do Last of Us and you try to, like say, shot for shot it as the game, then you have Logan essentially right like that's the key yes. component of logan yeah so it's kind of one of those things it's like i don't really anything involving um like apocalyptic stuff zombie stuff that going from video games to movies to tv shows that does not translate well for me i, 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 I agree and you know i will say one of the things you say about days gone that i kind of get and then i'll let you finish i'm sorry but the same thing about days gone of you you said that days gone would not it would just be more zombie stuff in the thing well i felt this i mean and days gone was still a fun game and i think it does enough 
differently than a lot of zombie games to set itself apart. Even if none of nothing that's done is unique in gaming as a whole, I think it brings a lot of things together that's not common in the zombie game genre. Well, uh, but even then, I feel like Days Gone had the same problem with a lot of people, where it's like it's just another zombie game in a time period where we saw World War Z fatigued. literally come out as a game yeah. right before it. And people said that game was terrible, and that game ended up getting really, really good scores and had a really large player base. Uh, what uh, World War Z? Z? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, sold over two million. Which I mean, that's a lot. It took it took it's a lot for a double A game. Near how long to get that to get that far? Six months? Yeah, something. Like yeah, that. that's or even a year. Yeah, that's right. It was. I think it was right at eleven months. We're at three million 13. now. Yeah, that's nuts too. Yeah. Um, but I guess when you take a look at the kind of games they are, you can understand. But yeah, yeah. with Days Gone, the coolest thing that Days Gone does for me as a Sons of Anarchy fan is that Sons of Anarchy style vibe. If they would do a Sons of Anarchy show with zombies in it, but focused more on the Sons of Anarchy, which I know Days Gone doesn't do, right? Yeah, it does. So there's a lot of stuff about Days Gone, and like, and then your friends in the in the game. The majority then, of the game, without telling or, or spoiling for anybody, the majority of the game, the zombies are not the crux of the story. It looks like a majority of the game, though, you're by yourself. You are by yourself often, but there's always reasons, and they still do it. From the very little Sons of Anarchy I've done, it always ties back into this bigger thing about, uh, at first, it's like, well, you're by yourself because something happens to one character, and he's the only person that you had with you for the longest time because of the set, the set, the you know, the way the world is right now where there's so few people and it's like y'all are the last two of a, of a motorcycle club that doesn't technically exist anymore, but y'all still wear colors and all that. And the game talks about a, a lot about that. You still wear all your biker stuff, even though no one else does. Um, so I, I do think you'll enjoy it from a story perspective. The majority of the game rests on connections with other people and fa- familial things with people who aren't technically family and using that kind of as a crux of, like, family is who you make it. And even sometimes where he's reluctant, he still finds himself doing stuff for these people. I think you'll enjoy it. Well, and Because see- I was really worried that a lot of the times, the biggest problem that I think a lot of zombie stuff can do, and a lot of genres in general can do this in a lot of ways, but zombies is one of the biggest... I don't think that it's very good to make a game or a movie or a series with zombies where the majority of what they're trying to do is focus on the zombie aspect. People, zombies are not interesting in and of themselves. You want human drama interlapping with what would human drama look like in a world overrun by zombies where everything that we're used to, like, you know, you see a sitcom, all that is is jokes and human drama, but it's all set in a realm that we understand. It's like, this is like real life for us to some extent. But when you're doing it in something like a post-apocalypse, be it zombies or not, it's like, well, this is a world where you're having to deal with human drama in a setting that we're not normally used to as people ourselves. So it it feels foreign to us. Yeah. And I think that that's what makes those games interesting. So I, I still, I would still say, I think that's why Days Gone might be able to be done well. I think there's been a lot of people who want another Sons of Anarchy style show, and from everything I've seen, there's not going to be well, one. Well, that's, that's the so problem, why, right? Is that they'll compare the it to would Sons be, of Anarchy. And, it's, and yeah, it's possible. I, I, apparently up to the last season, because I watched the first two seasons, or maybe mm-hmm. three, uh, and I really enjoyed it, but it was at that point where I couldn't find all of them in one area without so having... So it got hard yeah. to watch. So I didn't get to finish them all, which I still want to go back and rewatch them. But yeah, it apparently ended really rough. But... Uh, Kiki, uh, Patreon, he says The Last of Us, which we have talked about, and Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts might work this, well. This ties back into the thing of Kingdom Hearts is such a, is a series so many people view as PlayStation, even though it's not. No, uh, that's true. But yes, I do agree. I think Kingdom Hearts actually could work, and the reason I think that is we've already seen Square 
do that to some extent. We've seen like uh, whenever they did the uh, movie versions of the games and the collections, those were really entertaining to watch. Uh, whenever they did the back cover movie version of the mobile game to kind of give you that, that was a really enjoying, like a really enjoyable watch. It was interesting. It had beautiful animation. I think it still there. It sh- it proved that you can show and kind of mimic some of the story elements of Kingdom Hearts in a way that feels different in a different format, but still feels true to Kingdom Hearts. And a lot of that, I think, does come to the fact that Tetsuya Nomura was still behind those. So I think the biggest lesson we can learn from this a lot of times is if they're going to do this, there either needs to be writing done from the the people who mainly write for those games, or at least they need to be heavily supervised by the people who write the game, where the script always goes by them and they give final word on whether they think it feels right for the series or not. Yeah. Um, but with that said, I'll roll over to Facebook just so I don't ignore anybody's and then we'll move on. This has actually been quite the, uh, yeah, I will say that we've talked about it before with reader mail questions and stuff like that, where if we get a lot, we may not be able to get to everybody's just due to time constraints uh, in episodes. Yep. So we appreciate everybody always, uh, filling us in with everything because it always is interesting to read this stuff. And I tend not to read the stuff until we are actually airing the episode and recording it. Yeah, because me too. As much as possible. it comes off as fresh. So if you ever do ask us one, we will always specify if we ever do decide to make that change where we don't read them all, depending on if we keep getting a lot. Uh, so you guys don't feel left out. Okay, here we are. The last few here. We'll go through them pretty quickly. Matthew Green, patron, says, a better Final Fantasy movie with better story. And I asked him just out of curiosity uh, because they, they show up, so I, it's harder to avoid this. They show up as notifications. Uh, I said, is it a better Final Fantasy movie as opposed to The Spirits Within, or does that include things like King's Glaive and Advent Children? And he specifically said he'd not seen Advent Children, but yes, Spirits Within is one he was mainly talking about. And King's Glaive, to him, was more of an extended cutscene for Final Fantasy 15, um, which, hey, that's fine. I, I, I actually understand where he's coming from from there. Uh, Donovan, he says, Bloodborne done by the American studio that did Castlevania and as an extension of the universe. I actually think that's a fantastic idea. That would be pretty cool. I think that Castlevania's Netflix, and even though I haven't watched it, I've seen trailers, I think the visual styling taken and going with going away from that real red coloring that they use and instead leaning towards the kind of purples and muted colors of bloodborne would look really cool yeah the deep 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 dark purples and stuff that mm-hmm. like the technically the omnigalas are colored like they're colored mm-hmm. pale but the ones on the building seem to have a purplish tint to them yeah and it makes you wonder is it because of like the moon casting off yeah. of them or the pulling but it would still be a lot building? of red depending on the moon in that series too. true uh Josh Ayers brought up again infamous TV show like the CW superhero shows. That's a different take. Live action, infamous, done, where it's completely realistic set and it's focused on the drama very much like the, the CW shows where they're very little action, uh, partially because of budget, actually mostly because of budget. They have their their few action scenes and then they do the rest of it uh, through drama between characters. I think that that could work. I'm not a fan of those types of shows because of the fact that they're so low budget that it feels like I'm watching Power Rangers and personally to me, I don't care for that kind of cheesy look. It's part of why I don't care for Doctor Who. Um, outside of otherwise having some interesting ideas. The last one on here, and I love it, uh, The Order 1886. And Donovan said, Josh actually just said The Order, and Donovan said there's 1886 of them, so it gives them a lot to work with. Uh, uh, I, I do think that the likelihood of us getting another entry into The Order series is pretty unlikely, but I think that considering that most of the complaints of the game were about how much of a movie it felt like, 
why not take the strengths of what people do see about that, where they said it had great writing and great characters and great graphics, but boring gameplay for some people or not enough gameplay. Why don't you take all of that and instead go, let's make it into a series, a movie or whatever. I think it actually would work. And there's not a lot that exists out there that takes place in that same time period with the same basic premise. It would have to be certainly an expansive universe on that one. Uh, Or even maybe a continuation using a, a, like a, say like an eight, episode miniseries yeah let 1887 as it was as it would have been in their original plan let it come out as a miniseries yeah i would like that yeah i'd see that too uh but we're gonna go ahead and move on to the news so we can fly through that the news is a little packed too but like saul was talking about days of play is what has days gone being a little cheaper so if you want to hop into the days of play sale remember there is a jet black one terabyte PS4 Pro that you can get for three forty nine ninety nine as opposed to the normal four hundred. Uh, PlayStation VR bundles. There's some out there. They start at two forty nine depending on which one you want to get. Uh, DualShock Four wireless controller. All of them, all colors, is thirty nine ninety nine starting at thirty nine ninety nine. So it does depend, but and they're this, all on sale. This won't start till Friday, by the way, June seventh. Yes. Uh, Days Gone, God of War, Marvel, Spider Man, and MLB The Show nineteen starting at nineteen ninety nine going up from there. Uh, so I think most of those games, I think Spider-Man, God of War, and the show, or I think Spider-Man and God of War are 20, and I think Days Gone and the show are 40, because they're both new releases. PlayStation Hits games, which are the red-cased ones that comes back out, they start at nine ninety nine. so if there's some games that you've been waiting to get that you wanted to get physical, good time to get them as long as you don't mind that red case. Uh, and there's some other catalog titles that it says check with local retailers to see how they will go. There is also the special edition Steel Gray uh, let me make sure I'm actually saying that color. I'm pretty sure it was still gray. Uh, yeah, still black. My back. Uh, so there's a still black one terabyte PS4 Slim that has the uh, Days of Play special edition that they did last year. This one's got the PlayStation face buttons uh, kind of you know, emblazoned upon the top. So if you like that idea uh, and you want to get a new PlayStation, you've been looking. There you go. I personally would say uh, wait. Yeah. Because there's just too much stuff coming, and that's still three hundred dollars. Unless you're, uh, maybe uh, if it was two hundred, which I don't, I know they wouldn't do. Then it'd be more like it. But with PS5 a year down, personally at this point, unless your PS4 is die like Joe's is. Oh well, then yeah, do what you can. He's there. getting frame drops at like just normal public events in Destiny, and it's like Ouch. almost crashing. So Ouch. it's just like yeah. Okay, uh, let's see. I do think we got. I, I actually forgot about this, and that's going to be unfortunate. We had I posted a Patreon on the community stake because I wanted to start doing that as well. And Justin oh. Rowe and Derek Porter, too, that did not get mentioned. I'll go ahead and hit those real quick. Uh, Derek said, and this is another example of a series that is not actually PlayStation, but by, uh, movies taking place in the Bioshock universe could be really incredible. They could conceivably go with either time period piece, 1912's Columbia or 1960's Rapture, or if done as a series, take place in both. Each lends itself to great storytelling, environments, and characters. In addition, there is opportunity to have the story take place before, during, or after the game's stories take place. For example, there's a book called Bioshock Rapture by John Shirley that tells the story of how Rapture was created and ultimately how it became what it was once you played the game Bioshock. A movie adaptation of that, just the book alone would be awesome. That's pretty interesting. And he also says he highly recommends reading the book if you are a Bioshock fan. Justin Rowe says, I think Uncharted is the obvious choice for big blockbuster action movies with massive set pieces. That's a given. And I think that's why the, the movie has been a thing for so long is that they realize if they could ever get it off the ground and they'll probably do very well. I also think that they could bring a lot of story and great character writing to a style of movie that typically doesn't have much in, regard, in that regard. It has to be a movie, in my opinion. And I had to go find it because he accidentally 
hit enter and then came back around and said that. So I'm going to go to the post real quick. And he said, uh, second, I think Bloodborne would make a great animated show in style of Castlevania. So another brought up of that. And he says, lastly, he thinks of Tearaway would make a fantastic kids show. And that's actually not a bad idea. That's an IP that will probably otherwise sit because it just didn't that, do very well despite being a really cool that's IP. That's a weird idea, right? Like, how that wouldn't work. How long? Oh, Tearaway? Yeah, Tearaway was, I mean, essentially as a kids show, it'll just be the characters. Like, Tearaway's main function of that game was the, the things you did Exactly. It. So what you do is you take the style and the idea of a cartoon world that's fun and about interacting with stuff, and you translate that into something that would work for kids. It'd be a good way to get kids already liking IP for PlayStation and potentially growing up with PlayStation through well, a different entry a medium. IP, though. So, like, it would make more sense for a Sly. If, for, that, for that conversation. Well, I mean, it, technically, Tearaway... Or not Sly. Both uh, the Tearaway... Okay, but that's not a PlayStation IP. So, I, I'm still with you. Well, well um, yeah, but the thing is, is that, like, like what you said, though, is that it wouldn't get them to grow and, a PlayStation with an IP that doesn't exist. No, it, it very well could. And actually what would be, if anything, doing a kid's show like this would give them a new avenue to, to utilize this series again via a younger entry that's more family-friendly, and that would work, in my opinion. Did I the agree. studio that? Who made Tearaway? Uh, Media Molecule, the same team that did okay, Little yeah, Planet. They, well, they were doing Dreams. And they're doing Dreams. Yeah. So, I mean, who knows? But I think that an interesting idea. It does have the perfect aesthetic for a kid's show. And the no, it does. basic just, idea of the of the game anyway, where it's all about interacting with a weird world. Well, I think that's the only way that that's the only reason that game was kind of a thing, right? Like, I think Kyrie would love it because there's a show called Luna Petunia. <laughs> giving you all my kids show uh expertise uh, that I think very much is plays into the idea of the way that Tearaway sees its world. And it's like a little girl who opens up a book and then jumps in this world and she's in the world and tells the story and they could do something very similar. Ah, so it's a rip off of uh, what was that one movie called from back in the day with Macaulay Culkin in it. Macaulay Culkin. Yeah. The, uh, I can't believe I forget the name of it. It's where he's in the library and he reads a book and he goes into the world. Oh, the sword. Oh, not sword and stone. What is it called? No, it's a, it's, yeah, I can't remember what it's called, but it's, I hate how you have to spell Macaulay. It's M-A-C-A-U-L-E-Y. Mm-hmm. Let me see if we can figure this out. Was it one of his famous movies? I would think so. Even the used used something like that. The Page that. Master. Yeah, Page Master. That's what it was called. The used used a, uh, like a thing like that when they're A lot of people videos. do. That's a, that's a long running thing, man. Um, anyway, those are interesting ideas. I'll continue on with the news. Thank you guys. Appreciate yeah, both of you. Guys. Uh, let's see. Moving along with the news, I just got an email from PlayStation that says that Judgment is coming out. Whatever that is. If you want to know that, Judgment's the uh, game that is by the team behind Yakuza. It's that new Judgment Eyes is what it's called in uh, Japan, but it's called Judgment here. That probably will explain it then because I don't know anything about Yakuza. It comes out June 25th uh, over here. That's when it comes out, and it did not get delayed, it seems, due to the actor change-up for Japanese. So that's good. Uh, Let's see. First thing on the official news thing, though, Mortal Kombat 11 is getting new additions to the roster via the combat pack for the game. This will include Shang Tsung, Nightwolf, Sindel, Spawn, and two more yet-to-be-announced guest characters. Uh, a leak showed the Evil Dead's Ash and the Terminator as the extra characters, and a trailer that showed these new characters had a blood splatter on the two extra character things that had a chainsaw thing in the background, very much hinting at the Evil Dead's Ash, and the Terminator theme was playing behind that, so... I would assume that leak is probably true, but you can hold out if you want to. The DLC hits June 18th. So if you have any interest in that, go towards that. Activision finally confirmed the long rumors slash leaks 
that this year's Call of Duty would be a return to the Modern Warfare sub-franchise and will feature a story as opposed to Black Ops 4, titled Call of Duty Modern Warfare. That's it. <laughs> the game is not a sequel to Modern Warfare 3, but instead a reboot slash reimagining of the original 2007 release featuring some familiar faces, such as Captain Price, though he does have a new voice actor. The story will play out in two parts where you play across two different characters' perspectives and aims to return to a larger focus on realism that shot that game, the original 2007 release, to crazy success back then. Uh, let's see. The entry aims to bring a lot of changes to the long-running franchise with Infinity Ward promising big changes to the multiplayer mode, with one thing being that progress in the campaign will carry over to the multiplayer. Now, this is very similar to Killzone Mercenary. Anything you did in the campaign that you did carried over and your unlocks and your money and everything that you had carried over to the multiplayer. I actually think it's a great idea and it gives an incentive to play the story so that by the time you get to multiplayer, you already have some stuff unlocked. It comes out in November 9th. No, it October comes out 9th? October 25th. 25th. Is when the game comes out. Oh, ninth. Yep. It's the first time in the series. The game will support cross play across PS4, Xbox one and PC, which I think PC is a mistake. I don't Why? 60 frames per second. G games, versus the ga console. games, the other games do it. And it works fine. I know, but I'm just saying, well, I say 60 frames per second. I am dumb. I See, that goes to show you how quick thinking. Most of the time, console games are at 30 frames per second. Yeah, but Call, Call of Duty always but you have make sure they run at 60. And stuff too. Yes, that's but a yeah, good point. Yeah, I guarantee they're going to... But it's not as big of a difference of having a 30 frames per second game against 60 frames per second people. If this is normal what do you mean? Call of Duty... It's the, double, it's the same doubling. Well, I mean, you're talking about refresh rate. But that also means that not everybody's going to have that refresh rate. Does that make sense? Right. But Whereas I'm, if on not PC... Not everybody's going to have 60 frames per second on That's PC. true. But I think most people who are going to be PC enthusiasts will have the game running at 60. <laughs> You'd be surprised. I mean, people... I, I was reading in the Humble Bumble Reddit. They were saying that they downloaded uh, Call Games of Duty this past month. Because, and they're like, I'm running on potato. And I'm just like, that's going to be fun. But it's free. So good for y'all having fun. <laughs> yeah, that's true, I guess. Either way, it's a moot point because I both of... Call of Duty games almost always run at 60 frames per second, even if it means going a sub-native resolution. That's what they did yeah, in the PS3. That's how they should be, right, honestly. Um, so, yeah, I agree. They need to feel right. Uh, what game the, was it you were just talking about where you were having a massive, like, uh, problem with because you were coming off of a game that was 30 to 60? Was it something to Destiny? Oh, Rage oh, to Destiny. Oh, Rage to Destiny. Yeah. And it was incredibly weird. Yep. That's why all games should be 60 frames per second now. <laughs> without a doubt. Yeah, but I actually, I do somewhat understand why Destiny is not 60 frames per second. Uh, they could have fixed it. There's too much crap in that game that could be taken out. Potentially. And they could run at a, a, a lower resolution, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, let's see. They say the reason, though, is because of the online mechanics between everybody and having to deal with the yeah, physics of each person. That makes sense. So, 60 frames per second probably fine on PC. Yeah, but it's also a PC, and you have a different processor. The, pro the processor yeah, is a potato on the PS4. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> uh, let's see, though. The game will not feature a zombie mode this time around and instead will have a co-op mode with little information shared on it so far, but it sounds like their old Spec Ops mode. Uh, the game was set for an October 25th release date with more to be shown at E3, so if that interests you at all, go check that out. And um, I guess they've completely moved from their November date, you know, because last year was October as well to get ahead of Red Dead, but I surely thought this year they'd just go back to being the first week of November. But did you so have you seen this next one up about cataclysm have you seen the reveal of that yep yeah, okay have. this whole paragraph should just be taken out that game's dead i, I don't know for sure but i mean oh, no, I, that game is 100 percent dead after either this. way i'm gonna say it look despite many thinking that bioware and I, I think if anything else i was just massively surprised i knew for a fact 
That they is, were not going to bring anything up in May, and that, then they did. That's one of the biggest catfishing things I've ever seen in video game history. What, were they wait till the last day no, to do it? No, with how it looked in 2017 versus what it looks like now. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But there is no possible way that could have ran on this console the way it did. You know, I said that back when they showed it. I was like, there's no way. That, Either way, despite many thinking that BioWare would, not, would go the entirety of May without discussing the Cataclysm event that was originally supposed to launch this month, the developer's surprise of the live stream showing off parts of the new content as well as diving deep into what we can expect from the event once it launches. It will be an eight week event with the first weeks the first two weeks acting as a pre-event period that will have three new narrative driven missions that will feature new cinematic scenes that set up the rest of the event. The event will have a score multiplier and leaderboard system that encourages players to replay the event and find extra ways to bump their score through the timed challenge. These will take place in a number of new arenas for the game that will expand with each week with new ones being added, giving new routes and opportunities to up your score with new events and stuff happening in between the uh, where you start and where you go to end it. Uh, let's see. The event includes new gear that will be given at a higher level than existing items. Uh, the loot is earned through war chests that are brought that are bought from an event specific vendor that takes a currency earned from completing challenges with the items that are available at that vendor rotating regularly. The event also comes with permanent improvements for the game with one of the biggest changes in the removal of Anthem's luck stat, meaning that all players will have the equivalent of 100% luck, which aims to have loot drop more frequently, which is one of the biggest problems that the Anthem community uh, has had complaints about for the type of game that it is. You do not want to make a game that is a looter shooter not have loot. Right, and that's the problem. Or not, or, not, or not drop loot. It has loot, and it does need more loot, but the bigger problem is that it just didn't drop it either. So is this a second game that EA has published for a multiplayer title that is dead on arrival? That and Evolve? Uh, I thought Warner Brothers was Evolve. Was it? Yes, it was. it was. EA. Turtle Rock Studios and Warner Brothers. Um, wow, I thought that was EA. No, so thankfully this is just one example of that. Uh, but you know what? Speaking of Bioware in a much more uh, happy sense, a number of their classic RPGs were announced to be coming to consoles. This has been announced a while back, and we finally have dates and prices. The Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition pack comes with Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 with all of the DLC, as well as being kind of remastered. Planescape Torment and Icewind Dale are both being bundled together in one package with all of their respective DLC included. And lastly, Neverwinter Nights Enhanced Edition will be by itself, with each release costing $49.99 and releasing on September 24th, 2019, with the exception of the Neverwinter Nights release, which will be on December 3rd. Um, so if you have any interest in those, and all of those are fantastic games, I do wish that somebody would take the step out to take the Snowblind games of uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 1 and 2. Those would be fantastic brought back to the new systems. Um, there's even a rumor that I decided not to include on here, but you know what? I'm talking about it now, that the team behind Divinity 2 is teasing Baldur's Gate 3. Somebody said on, uh, on uh, Twitter that's been confirmed fake. I had a feeling it was. You would assume that it'd be Divinity 3. I don't know. No, I don't know if that is true or not, but like we'll the, see. The, they were very adamant saying that that is not a real rumor. That that well, it seems weird, fake. right? It's not an IP that that developer's known for. No. All. But they... But, the the thing about it, I could see them doing that series well. Yeah, because Divinity, um, what are they? Who are they called again? Um, I can't remember for the life of me right now. Uh, Lorian, Lothrian. Ah, uh, let's see, Larian, Larian, Larian. Um, they are really really good. And if you like D and D, if you like turn based RPGs, if you like. 
uh, high fantasy anything, pirates even, because you sell a lot in that game, then you need to go pick up Divinity 2, without a doubt. It's a good game. Bungie. One's good, too. Not as bad. Not as one good. is good. Um, interesting. I, what's funny about those games, I don't know that I've ever played them by myself, but as co-op experiences, they're real fun. As co-op experiences, they're especially real fun. Yes. Um, I like those types of games. It's just one of those things where I'm so removed from it that I think that one of the really things I loved about Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 1 and 2 is that they were real-time. And yeah, they were the more difference. in the dungeon crawler aspect and i love that uh, anyway though bungie announced plans to discuss the next chapter of destiny 2 on june 6th just days after the last season of its annual pass goes live uh, that is the season of opulence which goes live june 4th the reveal for that though starts at 10 a.m pt so if you have any interest in that go check it out uh, this is another interesting little tidbit dying light 2 which is being self-published by the developer uh, in much of the world has been announced to be distributed by square enix in north america the game might show up at Square's E3 as part of this partnership. This is very similar to what we saw WB do as the distributor for The Witcher 3 in the North America area as well. Um, so that's cool. And I would imagine that they Square will jump on that opportunity to have the game during their E3 thing. So we'll see. The Ghostbusters game that released last gen is coming to current gen consoles via a remaster set to release later this year. No date was given outside of 2019, but an October release would seem likely. I never got around to playing that game, but that is a game that most people refer to as Ghostbusters 3 as far as they're concerned. It's got all the original people, all the original voice actors as far as I can remember, uh, and I always wanted to play it. Just never got around to it. I do like Ghostbusters. It's a cool not. series, uh, but it's old too. I've never so. liked Ghostbusters. Like, really? Yeah, my little brother used to love it. Watching it when we were younger, and I hated it. I'm just like I didn't find it funny. I just didn't. Yeah. No. I mean, it's just one of those movies that you just don't click with. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, PS4 update six point seven zero went live this week with its main feature being improved performance. Meaning that Sony's obsession with system stability might have come to an unceremonious end. Meaning that it's going to lock you out of all your games and applications. <laughs> the update weighs in at 440 megabytes, so if you have not done it, go do it, but I'm sure you have. If you're one of the thousands of people that are getting locked out, just go to your settings. Is and that read. a thing? That's a very real thing. I, I didn't see Two that. Two people alone in our Discord have had it, and it's like everything. Like Reddit mods, I guess, are having to clean up because uh, Friday, yeah, yesterday, mm -hmm. people were having, like, literally, there was, like, pictures like code vein especially was one big one but then somebody was trying to play destiny it was locked out and then it's just like you gotta go in you gotta activate it as your primary ps4 if it already is activated as primary ps4 restore your licenses and do a hard boot and then it works man so so much for system stability this time sony you dropped the ball <laughs> too maybe, much stability too maybe much. they needed to worry about that stability yeah maybe you should maybe you should uh see that they slacked off a, and went to performance see a chink in the armor every now and then and you gotta fix it and that's where all these system stabilities came from. We're still being updated from the 2011 hacks. <laughs> all right. EA have announced that the next Need for Speed will not be at E3, but says the game will still release this year. I find that interesting. E3 has really – EA has really backed off of E3 this year where they said, you know, they're going towards just streams of certain games. A lot of games are not going to be shown there. It's just a couple of games. Um, that's interesting to me, man. It makes me wonder what the future of E3 is going to continue to be as all these people continue to kind of pull back their involvement in it. Because, you know, for a long well, time, E3 was the place where you announced everything. But Sony's stance was that the market that we're in now and the, the tech future that we're in and compared to when E3 was really relevant is that you can release all of that information in very different ways throughout the year. You don't really need to do it all at once like you originally had to. 
Yeah, and I do think that I'm curious because the the word of or the name of Need for Speed was kind of thrown around negatively with the last game, uh, and I'm wondering with if it's, payback. Yeah, and I'm wondering if it's related to that at all, or if it's just that they they just think it's not ready for this E3. Well, it could be that, or it could be that they don't want this. They don't want to include one new game this E3 and not do anything else, and then look like, well, why did you have one new game and not show anything else? Yeah. There's a number of reasons. Uh, they could be wanting to do the thing where they're so confident that it's going. Ooh, there's going to be a return to form for the series that they want to do their own event for it. Yeah. It is possible that they want to show it off very much in, in depth and go through a bunch of different things. Who knows? We will see. I enjoy the Need for Speed games. I enjoy 2015s. I actually enjoy Payback. There were some mechanical things I didn't care for about it uh, and some things I'd still like to see changed. I think I preferred 2015 to Payback. Um, but either way, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Uh, sea of Solitude, while we're on the topic of, e, uh, of EA, the story-driven adventure game that they revealed during their E3 presser last year has been given a worldwide release date of July 5th, 2019, and for only $20. That game actually looks kind of all it right. Does, looks, it looks really cool. Yeah, so I'm, and that's cool. $20 is a good time. I wonder if this is kind of still EA doing their thing where they did, the, they did a way out, and this is them just finding those little games and kind of acting different than their normal publishing uh, procedure and putting games out there at a cheap price that are really different and not worried about making Wouldn't tons of amounts really, of money. Really different on all of them, at least. Well, I mean, there's not been a lot of examples of this, right? One of the few examples is like, there's this, I do think a way out was a pretty original idea. No, a way out was, was. Yeah. And then you also have the game. And I always forget what it's called, but with the yarn dude, uh, it, that, un- that game to me, uh, untangled, untangled. Is that right? Yeah. I think untethered. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a cute like looking little game, but uh, nothing that's ever gonna have my interest. I think it but might be untangled. Look, those. we're over here talking about untethered because we were raiding last night with a tether. I don't know what it's called. Unraveled is what it's called. Yep, uh, untangled is a very interesting name uh, of a book. <laughs> but um, yeah, unravel, unraveled. Okay, I knew okay. it was something that had to do with like untangling something, unraveling something. Yeah. Um, unravel a ball. Of yarn. <laughs> this this next uh, this next uh, part of the news would be cool if we still did PS Plus pals. <laughs> <laughs> June's PS Plus games have been revealed and are Borderlands, the Handsome Collection, as well as Sonic Mania. So if you've not played either of those, there you go. And what's cool about Borderlands is that Borderlands Three is coming. That game, the Handsome Collection, just got a 4K update. So if you have a pro, the game will look and run better than ever. And not only was it just a 4k update to make the game run at 4k it was new textures and stuff like that so the game as a whole just looks better um so there you go and sonic mania is a cool game it just is it is so if you like classic sonic uh, sonic games there you go no platinum to my dismay there is no platinum yeah uh the long announced but yet to be seen avengers game came are coming from Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics is set to be shown off for the first time at the publisher's E3 conference this year. Many rumors and leaks have come out about the game, but with E3 so close, it's best to take them with a grain of salt and learn for yourself come next week. A lot of people are saying no, just in case you're curious about what they are. Essentially the idea of kind of like Destiny and Diablo, but with superheroes. Yeah, that would actually be pretty cool. I need to go get a water because my throat is incredibly sure. dry. I'll reason. just read I'll off to right the last one. Let's see. And then it's actually going to lead us in the main topic. But after a tease on Twitter, Death Stranding revealed via a Twitch stream that slowly added handprints to a sea of black that revealed more and more of the trailer visuals before finally adding audio with a full reveal of the trailer. A trailer showed gameplay with uh, way more gameplay than previously seen and introduced us to more characters and gave us a November 
8th release date, everybody. That right there was what everybody, including myself, was really, really wanting to see. Uh, not only that, but like I said, we got gameplay in it, which looks phenomenal. The, the You saw third-person shooting, so the gunplay looked fine. The hand-to-hand combat looked fine. The uh, cool mechanics that you could do with uh, your ladder and stuff like that. There's even a really cool part in it as well that you get hit in the back by a staff and like something pops off your backpack and you have to go there and pick it back up because it's something important. And then you turn you around. Assume. Yeah, you assume. Uh, and then you turn around and you hit the dude in the face with it. So you can actually just pick up items like that or use items that you already have equipped as weapons if needed. It did show, even though Kojima said it's not a stealth-based game, it shows that it has stealth-based potential because uh, right before that little encounter, uh, it did show them like trying to sneak around them and then getting and caught. through like a traditional kind of tall grass stealth mechanics, right? It's like you're crouched, That's what you're, it looks in like, tall, yeah. you're in tall grass. Uh, they can see you, though. It looks like the AI is smart enough to kind of, if you move too much or do, or make too much yeah. more noise, they can see you, which I would expect considering that I do think that one of the things that, despite me not caring for the game uh, or either of the games, both uh, Metal Gear Solid Five and uh, Ground Zeroes, I will say both of the games had pretty good AI for the type of games they are. We were talking oh, about that yeah. last night. Yeah, the, One of the, ago. whatever it was, one of the compelling parts of the Metal Gear series and Kojima's games for the most part has been for when they come out, their AI does tend to be above the rest of their contemporaries. And it has AI learning in it in in Metal Gear Solid five. So you can't go through and headshot everybody with a sniper rifle because the AI is going to learn. They're going to wear bulletproof helmets. You can't go through and just CQC them, uh, because they're going to go around wearing body armor. Well, what it does is it forces you to keep them from ever getting, because it, Forces you to not lean on one mechanic too much. Yeah, if so what you happens? To play with variety. Yeah, if you play with variety, then they'll then they <clears> won't <throat> pick up on those things as quickly, so that you can always have the option to headshot if you don't lean on it too much. Right. Uh, and I and I do think that's a great thing. I mean, I will say my example brought up that day was that I think Dishonored is also another game that has pretty great AI, uh, and a lot of time they do learn. They start to if they notice that if they find you hiding enough times, they'll start looking for you. Underneath yeah. hiding places, and if you wait till nighttime as well, they're gonna go. They're start wearing out vision goggles. Like it's, it's. I always say it. And I think I'll say it again. Metal Gear Solid Five is the best stealth based game there is. Uh, but we're not really talking about Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, we're talking about Death Stranding. Yeah, and from what I saw of Death Stranding, it does seem that it showed off what what we think is the new death, like the death mechanic that Kojima said has never been seen before, as well as the multiplayer mechanic that has never been done before. Uh, which I find interesting. Uh, what I theorize is that uh, whenever you die, that's when you go back in a time. And that's why it looked like you were in a World War II-esque battlefield. And I think that the death mechanic is that the uh, BTs, I think that's what they're BTs, called. BTs, yes. Yeah, I want, you want to say BPs because of BP and oil. But uh, BTs, uh, you, I think those are player deaths. I think that uh, that whenever a player dies, it creates a BT in somebody else's world. And that you see a lot of them in one area, a player has died a lot in that area, and it creates an enemy. Not to be controlled by a player or anything like that, but it, it, it creates its own uh, enemy. And they also did announce a $200 collector's edition, which looks absolutely phenomenal. I'm going to buy, I'm going to spend $300 on this game because I'm going to get the collector's edition and I want to buy it digitally. So yeah. I'm going to buy it twice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm aiming to get it, but I don't want to have to pay it off all right now because your boy's too broke for it remodeling your house is really breaks you but i also want to get it uh 
And I brought this up on Twitter. I think that this is a really cool use, and this is a small tangent, but at least it's still about Death Stranding. I think this is a really cool use of uh, of a collector's edition. There's a number of things they could have done that would just been more generic statues that most people do. And don't get me wrong, I love collector's editions with statues. I get them often. But at some point, you start to feel like, well, it's just a bunch. Of, it's all the same idea. I think that there's something interesting about taking something that's still that looks like it's going to be iconic and really tying into one of the things that when you think about the series, you think about this and that's the bridge baby. Uh, and I think that showing some of that, I think it's a really cool idea. And it also does the other thing where it has other uses. So it can actually be used as a lamp and it can actually be used in real cosplay. I yeah. think that this is a more interesting idea because it lets everybody just get it and use it how they see fit. Do they just want to get it and keep it as a lamp back there? Do they want to get it and never even turn it on as a lamp and just have it as a showpiece? I'm definitely going to have it as a lamp. Me too. Yeah. Like Dude, it's it'll be, be it'll be a lamp on set. Yeah, it's going to be on for a certain. But we finally got just about everything we wanted with this gameplay and or, or this this trailer. We got the release date. We got solid gameplay footage. We got a little bit more into the the, the visuals and cinematics of the game. Uh, we got to see more of the characters that we were kind of uh, unsure of. We got the reveal of Troy Baker being in it as a guy named... Um, well, we already knew he was going to be in it, but we never knew who he was. Well, that's what I mean. The character reveal of Troy yes. Baker. And I can't think of his name. He has a really cool name. I can't remember it either. Um, and it's going to kill me that I but, can't remember. Yeah, like, but... it, looks, it looks to be phenomenal. And something that I am like really, really super excited for... Because right now, and I said it, you know, a couple weeks back, and maybe even a couple episodes back, that like right now, Nintendo has my attention so far into this year with what they're coming out with on the Switch, and the PlayStation really doesn't have much for me right now. Like Days Gone is gonna is something I'm getting on a sale. I don't know like what the next game past that I'm gonna get unless there's some kind of a special announcement at E3 in between now and Death Stranding. Yeah, there's nothing, and that's what a four month gap, July, five months basically. Yeah. So, it's just one of those things that's like, it finally showed me something I'm going to get to play, and that I'm really, really excited for But previously, before that. Well, part of that comes from the fact that you've gained a cautious element to you about buying games digitally, and some of that's just been from Burns this year, but also it's Well, just... it's not even a cautious element. There's just nothing that grabs my attention that's out. Yeah. Like, I have Division 2. I haven't played that. Anthem is in the shitter. Excuse my language for <laughs> for that, but yeah, that's where it's at, like... Nobody's going back to play that game with what the Cataclysm just said, and not not I'm enough. I'm going to try it. Well, not enough <laughs> for me to try it. Um, and it's just like right now, Destiny Two is in a really really good spot. I'm just going to keep playing Destiny Two. I'm going to play Days Gone on my vacation. I might pop back in into uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, but really, uh, this kind of begs up another question to ask too: is that other than Death Stranding, what Sony exclusive game are you looking forward to this year? Because right now, there's not really a lot. And I'm kind of curious because I want recommendations. Nobody recommended me JRPGs either, and I'm kind of sad about that. Y'all give me some good JRPGs to recommend. Well, I think there's Vita other ones, but what switch? what preferred. level are you looking at? Because I think that Pixel Opus's game, I think that Concrete Genie does look interesting. I, it doesn't look interesting. But it's also just, I think for me, it's not even That's something that immediately screams at me as much as it's so unique that I feel a need to try it, even though... It doesn't look like it's necessarily something that I will for sure enjoy, but it looks unique, and it could end up being a huge flop. But I appreciate that kind of stuff. Well, you know, you know what was crazy about last year was Dead Cells and Hollow Knight, all these indie games that came out that proved to be phenomenal. Yeah, and really stole and, the show. Yeah, and let's get back on the topic after this. But yeah, like I'm, I want our JRPGs. Recommend me some JRPGs to play. I think I'm just gonna pick up, um, uh, 
what is that uh came out it's uh akira toriyama's art um um dragon quest yeah dragon quest on the switch when it comes out dragon okay. Quest 11 i think but yeah anyways back on the topic but well one of the things that uh i think is pretty interesting i love and I, i've said this from the get-go and I was surprised to see them still is. carry on through it. Now, to be fair, they could always change this. Uh, there's still time before release that they could start doing this. But they have shown so much restraint in showing things for this game. And I know, and that's obvious, it's because it's, it's a name that they can afford to do that with. Kojima, his name kind of precedes him. So it's one of those situations where I think that they realize this is a weird opportunity where the game is already very odd. It's probably somewhat weird to market without showing all of it. If you wanted to really market it in a way that was like, well, how do you market it while still giving an idea of what it really is? I don't think there's a way to do that without showing everything essentially. And and so what they're instead opting to do is lean on the fact that Kojima's name does offer the ability to be a little bit more vague and mystic about things and kind of mysterious. And I think what they're doing is really smart and ballsy in that even with this new trailer, all it did realistically is it answered very few questions. All it did is it showed us that there was gunplay in the game, and we kind of got to see what it looked like, and it kind of did look like Metal Gear Solid Five, which is a little bit of a bummer for me, but because they're not trying to be the same type of game, it's not a deal breaker for me at all. Um, I just hope it feels good. That's all I'm really worried about. But Yeah, and it looks like it should. The only thing I'm worried about is the bike. Like I'm kind of worried. How does it control? Because yeah, Sparrows I, and Destiny could be like... Um, I guess more sensitive. Like mm-hmm. they could be, uh, they could be tightened up a little bit. They're a yes, little too they're loose. They're too loose. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like that the way that bike was driving, it's very similar, except something tells me that a bike on the ground is going to feel different than a hover motorbike. I, well, and you know, not that it would, but considering that it's using the same engine, I would, it'd be interesting that they kind of utilize some of the mechanics and just move them towards something like a motorcycle. That's a little bit more smooth moving. Uh, but in horizon, I actually thought the mount system felt surprisingly good. It did. It felt tight and it felt controllable, uh-huh. um, which yeah, it, yeah, it is using decima. Um, so that is true. I didn't even, it doesn't mean it's that. using that, but I guess what it means is that I've already seen traversal well, on this, something in work in yeah. this engine in a way that feels really tight and, and useful in the gameplay. I think third person helps, uh, in a lot of ways, though, Destiny being in third person, for which I think is important, Destiny had to be in third person for the, um, for the Sparrows, Sparrows, but period. it still doesn't feel right to me. And I don't know if it's because of the way the physics are in that game, because that game is floaty in some weird areas for the betterment of the majority of gameplay. But if it's, if it's the physics system that's causing that in the Sparrow, I don't care for it. It feels like trying to drive cars in old Grand Theft Auto games or San, or Saints Row. See, what I like about the Sparrow system is that there's a way that you can deal with that, and that's by doing the strafe. So, like, if you go around a corner and you're drifting too far out, you can strafe back in by clicking the stick in. Yeah. It feels good because I agree. If it didn't have that in there, that would feel terrible. Yeah. Uh, There'd be no way out. Yeah. yeah. It'd feel way too arcadey. But, yeah, for, for Death Stranding, I pretty much got everything I wanted to see out of it. But didn't it also, I guess where I was going with a second ago, and it might be where you're going too, is that it's for, for as much as it answered, it opened up a million new questions. It did. And like what I really, and I've said this before, what I really, really like about this and something Kojima can get away with, but other developers can too, is the fact that I just, there's nothing like this right now. Right? Like this is filling a hole that I didn't know I had, uh, for, in terms of wanting a video game Mm -hmm. and that's the thing, too, is that like I'm so sick of seeing the same style of games done over and over and over again. 
and it's getting to the point like where it's just becoming monotonous depending on the game you want to play because it, you're just sick of it, right? And this game, to me, feels like it could actually have some potential to give me that refresh that Demon Souls did for me way back, back in last gen. Now, what is pretty sad is that this, this genre doesn't really work like Demon Souls did. It doesn't give me a full series of games to go into, um, like the Dark Souls series, because this is technically, he's, he said Strand game, um, or, or yeah, Strand game. As far but, as he's concerned, this is a new genre. Yeah, and this is really just what it looks to be like what is an action-adventure cinematic third-person adventure game. You can't even say shooter because yeah, it's like, it's like I, was, I was about to say shooter, but I'm like I don't really know how much shooting there so is in it. I will say this: Do you really feel like one of the things that I felt like looked and felt awkward watching, and then I in my mind I'm like I can't see how this would be fun is the building mechanics, like the ladder and the rope. No, that that looks it, fun. It looks like you may take some time to learn how to use it. But well, like, it just to, to looks, know how far away you need to be to let it drop. It doesn't look smooth to me at all. What do you mean? It, looks, only, it looks like some of the worst animation size, and that just goes to show it, it may just be one of those signature things of sometimes, even in the Metal Gear Solid games I love, there's certain things that he did, but I noticed them really prevalently in uh, Ground Zero and in what I've seen of 5 and a little bit of Play to 5, where there's certain animations that he goes to do that just feel stiff and wrong and slow, and like that doesn't look like it fits in. Like I was really surprised that the bike looked like it was going so quick and so yeah and i was like that's so weird because then when he was doing the the, the little you know um what do they call those how my uh, the circle uh, um menu circle oh god oh yeah uh, the circle menu where he pulled up the fine. the thing that was that was fine but just at that part where he pulled it up and then he said i was like this just looks slow and weird and that maybe it's just because it lacks context as to why well, you're doing it, it. It could be that they're not doing it at full speed. Like the, the person playing could be not navigating the menus at any speed because I, they want you to see what's in well, the Well, not menu. even that. I just mean like getting, after he selected it, it was like getting the ladder out well, and everything said, looked slow. Well, what I, what, what I was pointing out about the ladder was the fact that it just popped up on your back and mm -hmm. then you just grabbed it. Everything after that and then like the cool way that, because they did do a cut right there where he was sure. all of a sudden next to the mountain and he dropped the ladder down. That all looked phenomenal. The, the ladder popping up on his back was kind of weird, but I understand Well, even why. like holding the ladder and then letting it extend, it looked like there was no weight to it. That was just a weird thing. Uh, it might not have. It, it nanobots, just like Metal Gear Solid 4. Possible. Uh, one of the things I guess I kind of want to ask you, because it, and I was going to ask you this anyway. It's funny that you brought it up on your own, is that, yeah, this is something that as far as, uh, I'm not going to say it's a genre that's completely unfound, but he's doing something in a genre to create a subgenre that's not really been around, right? But by you saying that it looks fresh, what if? And do you, and do you have a feeling? Really, are the, you okay with PT. in the no in the, God in the pursuit of trying to do something fresh and new? If it doesn't actually hit the mark in terms of being an an all-around actual good game in terms of the gameplay sense, but it's good in every other aspect. Do you still consider it a win or a loss? I would consider it a win because Dark Souls, I mean, Demon Souls wasn't great at the gameplay perspective. It, it, it was very clunky. Yeah, you're right. There was frame drops, mm -hmm. and but it was the atmosphere. It was the difficulty. The storytelling the, or the, 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 the lore story, Yeah, building. the lore yeah. was cool. The enemy design was cool. The weapons and armor matches were cool. The gameplay of Demon Souls is mediocre at best. Um, and I, that's the thing about this, right? Is that from what we've seen in gameplay, I can already say that at least from what we've seen, I don't think Kojima's the kind of person to anthem us and show us something that's not going to be drastically different. Uh, no, I, I agree uh, on that. So especially but that's if, also because they're showing so little. That's what I was going to say. Well, it was, especially for a game that comes out in five months. 
Um, but what I will say is that it's going to be hard for this game to be a letdown for what I want it to be. But more so, I think that I would enjoy it even more because what I'm going into it is the same mentality of finding out about Demon Souls or the idea of revisiting Demon Souls. And that for me is I'm bored of everything. There's only one game keeping my attention, and it's a first person shooter, just like it happened, you know, what was it, six years ago, seven years ago, uh, eight years ago, however long it was, where I found Demon Souls. And it to me isn't about. That was like 2012. The quality. Yeah, it was. So seven years ago. Um, it, it's not even about the quality of the game. It's about the refreshing ex- experience it can get me. Sure. Now, that's where the flip side of this comes is I don't think I'll be let down. If anything, I'm going to be more surprised and elated at how good the game actually plays, the story, and all that stuff. Because what I what I remember in Demon's Souls in particular was the frame rate constantly dropping, the very clunky combat that can be at times, um, the kind of somewhat enemy glitches that can happen every now and then with certain bosses and certain enemies in, in areas. Sure. And of course, you know, it's the same with Dark Souls. You get to Blight Town. It's just like the game stops. It's just sideshow. Yeah. But you still enjoy those games because they're offering you something that nothing else can currently offer you. And this year, I don't think I'm going to have that. The like uniqueness overshadows the issues. Yeah, and I think that's that's why I'm looking for a JRPG right now. It's because that is a, a genre I haven't played in a good while, uh, at least to a game to completion. And I really want to grab a good one that is really standalone-ish, but something I can hop into and spend 30, 40, 60 hours in and get a, a phenomenal story out of it. Have a good time with gameplay. Have a good mm-hmm. time with mechanics. And that's why I think, like, you know, Dragon Quest might be the game for me. I don't know. But I think that the way that you asked that question, I mean, it didn't make me realize it until now how I can compare that to what I need needed in Demon's Souls. And the fact that I don't think, like what our good buddy RJ Loki said on Twitter, he said uh, it could be a flop. He said he needs more than a name because it still could be yeah, a flop. Try yeah, Try Not to Overhype could be a flop. I don't... As long as I get like what this trailer showed me, unless this the game is completely misrepresented in this trailer, um, and by Kojima, which knowing Kojima, I wouldn't bet he would do. But everybody, you know, he's a stranger; he could surprise me. Well, but, yeah, I've honestly been surprised at how close they've held their cards to their chest for this game. Kojima's been pretty adamant about not showing the game until it was close to release. Yeah, and the fact that he, and that know, means, in, in my mind, that means. As opposed to something like Anthem, which was shown two years prior, and it was a CGI rendering, this is five months. You know, it's like how are you going to pull that out in five months? How are you? How this? Obviously, it first of all, it me. wasn't CGI. Ah, no. it wasn't. It, I mean, you know, it wasn't. You're seeing everything in game. Yeah, every single thing in that eight minute trailer is in game footage. And um, then the other argument they were saying that the the Anthem demo that we were referring to that looked so good and had no load scenes and you jump off and immediately go yeah, flying. Yeah, the E3 demo. They said that it was running on Xbox One X hardware. That was never running on that Xbox Kotaku One X hardware. report. Pretty much confirmed that, that it wasn't. That, that should be illegal at this point, right? That's that's misadvertisement. That's fake advertising. Yep. Um, but regardless, I mean, that's, you know, that's it, it, it's the time we live in. I agree that it shouldn't be allowed, but it, it's, it's allowed in a Unless number of... Unless it's running on a dev kit Xbox One that could have potential overclocked CPU and stuff, which still is not available to a consumer. Who Therefore, knows? it's misrepresenting the product. But yeah. anyways, yeah, um, I, I'm super excited for it. I, I really, really can't wait. At this point, I don't think that there is a shadow of the doubt that it could be overhyped in my mind just because of what I'm looking for and what it looks to give me. If it becomes a very stereotypical cover shooter and stuff like that, that's when I'll be let down by it. But not because of well 
performance issues per se. I, mean, I, I don't mean like that. that. I don't think that that's going to be the thing. I mean, if anything, I, I think that the Decima engine runs really smoothly. We've seen it in a number of games, and I've really yeah, never Horizon seen. Yeah, Horizon ran pretty well. Horizon used it. Killzone Shadowfall used it and had no notable frame drops. Uh, until Dawn used it, no notable frame drops. I'm not really worried about that as much as I mean, let's say the game does devolve into, at least on the gameplay side, and I, it doesn't look like it would, but let's just say it devolves into essentially just running around with that thing, which could get boring, and then right. just mediocre, standard third-person shooting. As right. long as it does the rest of what it's promising, which looks to be, ironically enough, we had a question from Donovan weeks back on one of the reader mails that was, what would you do to reinvigorate sci-fi? I actually think of anything, this game looks to serve the purpose of doing something that feels decidedly and original. distinctly fresh and original yeah. in the genre. Uh, so there you go, Donovan. This might actually be that maybe I couldn't do it, but it goes to show with maybe the right mind behind it, which I think Kojima's done well. With we actually Sci- brought that up too of something that like you're never going to know your true originality until it happens. Yes, because everything everything that you see is is already a genre of something else that you're already familiar with, and then true originality comes out and it's bam, and that's weird. original. Yeah, you don't know it until you see it. That's the perfect definition of Death Stranding. I yeah. described this game before we even knew this game was a thing, or like before we know, we knew the game was. Oh, yeah. Because that's exactly what I said back then was you don't even realize how original it is until it's there in your face. And that's yeah. what this feels like. And you see it. Uh, yeah. So, it feels like a breath of fresh air or, or the nice sip of a uh, – I was trying to think of the fancy water. Fuji water. <laughs> Straight from the Volcano Springs. Is that what Fuji? Fuji water. Fuji water. That's uh, right. Not yeah. Fuji. I think that's a camera quality. Or, yeah, Fuji film. Fuji film. Uh, but, yeah, on top of that, so I guess the last few things that we'll do about this, uh, to go back to what I was talking about there real quick, where we were talking about with Donovan saying that it'll be a fresh, uh, a fresh take on a, a genre. Outside of that, so if it devolves into that typical third-person shooter and then the rest of the gameplay is just kind of borderline man at most, but it acts as a vehicle to get you through a really amazing story with great characters and everything, that is an original idea outside of that. And even if the gameplay ends up being kind of man but is original in what it's trying to do, right. but it just falls short of the mark, as long as the rest of the game is there, do you still consider that a win? And Yeah, absolutely. I think I do too. Yeah, I think absolutely. I do that as well. And I, I like realistically, I think you have to be willing to give a game that's actually trying to tread new ground, new ground, not new ground in its genre, not new ground in. You its, have to give it. You uh, have to give it some wiggle room because yeah. it's going to be. I think the only way I could truly be completely disappointed in this game from everything that they've shown me so far is if the story ends up being a nonsense mess that actually doesn't make sense. But. I have faith in the fact that all of these actors who came into it saying that they normally didn't deal with video games and that a lot of the only reason they even did the game was because they saw the Kojima's passion. He, he told them the story and that they thought it was something so unique and different that they were willing, they wanted to be part of it. That to me tells me everything I need to hope that indeed this game is original. Or even just put faith into that it's going to be an original and a breath exactly. of fresh air. So my other thing, and this comes into something that Ryan was actually talking to me about, how do you feel about the way they went about showing the game? Do you feel like the way they went about doing it with the Twitch stream that had a, an air of mystery around it about yeah, that's how actually, does it even work? It's like what I hope the game is going to be. It's very original. Like yeah, see, we don't we don't know how that works. We don't know if it was more viewers or the more time that passed because oh, it, yeah, the number of it's something that happened. Yeah, it's something yeah. that happened all the way up. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a genius way of doing it. I wish I wish games for Sony uh, first second party games since they're not having an E three 
days of plays seem to be really like they try to be ambiguous like a state um, of play yes yeah, but of play. i know why you thought that yes. and that actually goes into it so to continue with what you're saying the question from ryan was why wasn't it in a state of play because somebody doesn't know what they're doing with state of plays they just state of plays are a waste of time they don't they haven't had a good one yet in my opinion they're i don't think that, i don't think that they've, they've had an exceptional one or a bad one no, i feel I, like they've just been there yeah they've just and like, well that's what i mean it's a waste of time like this could be done in better ways this twitch yeah, stream proves that i don't but consider I, it a waste of time but the, so one of the things i said to him is that i am still being a little bit because i remember the earliest nintendo directs they were also a little odd no, and i think that what like, you have to do is you have to give companies when they're doing something like this a chance to get their footing in the format because one of the things that sony's also dealing with is trying not to be too much like in either of their competition you know what yeah, I mean? The, the first Nintendo Direct, if I remember correctly, was... Okay, no, I'm wrong. I was going to say this was revealing... What it was all 3DS stuff, and it was like, really weird. I was saying it was, revi- it was revealing the 3DS. Yeah, and it was... Dude, it, if you remember those first couple of ones, it felt like, to me, what these first two state of plays have been. Was that Parappa the Rapper? They weren't. No. <laughs> oh my gosh, it looks like it though, doesn't it? I mean, I mean, the character did, not yeah, the game. Yeah, the game. but past that, um, I guess what I'm going into here, and this is what my response to him was, is that in my opinion, they didn't have anything else to couple with it potentially. Definitely if there's not ready for The, the Last of Us 2 to have a day or anything like that. But what I said is they want to leave the game a mystery, so doing a deep dive with a state of play with that as the only thing would not fit the marketing style they're going for. Now, I'm not saying that there's a right or wrong on this. I'm actually curious about this. I would say that one of the questions I would hope that I, I want to hear y'all's opinions on, and I, did want, I still want to hear Saul's if he has more to say, is do you feel like you would have preferred this to be a state of play or do you feel like the, that state of play would actually have been the wrong Avenue for this? And in my opinion, I'm looking at, I I don't think that the way they're going about handling the game would have been conducive to what they've done with state of play so far. Well, and not only that, but the way they revealed the game and the way that they um, did the Twitch stream, I couldn't thank, thank (laughs) Southern Twain coming out. I couldn't think of a better way. And, like, that, and that would have been impossible from a state of play, more or less. Well, here's the thing. It's an eight-minute trailer. State of play has been, what, typically 20? If even that, to, yeah, 15 like 15, to 20 minutes. Yeah. yeah, 20 minutes long, right? So, like, this would have been half of a state of play. Mm-hmm. And then you would have what come behind it? Because nothing is going to come after this and, and not be in a shadow. Exactly. There's rumor that Last of Us is literally being delayed into the next year because of this game. I've seen the rumor that it's being delayed. I haven't seen a rumor that actually says that there's a core, like there's a corresponding between that's, it getting pushed back that's, specifically that's a, because of it's a Death big Stranding. rumor and a thought right now. And I'm curious about that too because if anything, you would think Death Stranding would be the one to be pushed back. Well, see, I didn't think that for a number of reasons. Really, he kept saying the game's so. He said the game's so close, even though it's slightly behind. He well, says it's only about a month behind, and I was like, man, that sounds like, the way he's talking about it sounds like this year. Now, we'll say, I also thought The Last of Us would be this year, but it well, started to seem crazy that, that it would way. be both of them. And they started to be like, well, I don't know. Now, I will say, I, it really does to me sound like, there was also a rumor very recently in, in regards to The Last of Us where he said, uh, where I don't think it was rumors, it was somebody talking about the fact that they are hiring people to finish up the game. Now, I get that there's a lot of conf- a lot of stuff that looks like it would go against that, like the fact that, and a lot of it comes from us not knowing exactly how games are made, right? So right. we know to, we know for a fact that the voice acting and everything and the mocap wrapped months back. Right. So a lot of people's mind was, it's so close because that's done. Well, that's what about not, all yeah. the work that's... We don't know the flow in which they chose to do that. Maybe they wanted to finish that up. just to distribute and, the game. 
Well, that's to get the game put on disc and and about a month typically. You're month. you're looking at a month of getting the game onto a gold disc out to manufacturers. So we, we heard in March that the game was done with the voice acting. Yep. I think maybe even maybe April. Nah, it, it was either February or March. It February was a while back. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, but when you look at it in that sense, it's easy to look at that and go, "It's coming so soon." But we don't know when they chose to do voice acting at what part of development right. to let to just get it done because it's just a separate part. And there's still even if they have all the mocapping done, that doesn't mean all the mechanics uh, are as tight as they want. The um, there and there's always Q and or Q and A. Not Q and A, QA testing. QA testing, um, yeah, quality where, assurance. Yeah, they're, they're going to spend hundreds of hours among maybe hundreds of people. I know tens of people at least, mm-hmm. but hundreds of people, tens of people that are playtesting this game and testing it for bugs. And that is a very, very arduous process. And <laughs> I would say that I mean, that was another thing I brought up is I think at this point, Sony realizes that both. Death Stranding and definitely The Last of Us are going to be huge money things for them. Oh, yeah. They're going to make a ton of money off of them so that if The Last of Us needs more time to make sure that it comes out in a perfect polished state with a minimal bugs if any that are even notable at all. One great example that they've done this generation of a game that released with no bugs because it got extra time to polish up uh, was the Ratchet and Clank game. That game came out flawless. Uh, but I think that this is something, when you look at this year and the fact that Days Gone was seriously hampered, at least in the review department, thankfully it hasn't seemed to translate into the sales being hurt. Right. But the review department and the way that the game's legacy exists in a more professional view of the paper until sales become so big that it's like, well, that didn't matter, is that the game released with problems and too many bugs where if they would have given a little bit more time, it probably would have been for the better. But it was an unknown studio and an unknown IP. And, you know, so I'm sure Sony was like, at some point we just got to get the game out of the door. But The Last of Us is like, if you need three more months, we don't care. You know what I mean? And that's the thing too is that The Last of Us in my opinion, is the more casual game, right? Like, that's going to be the one that's going to be the mass appeal yes. to everybody compared to Death Stranding, who is going to be more tailored towards people who know Kojima, who saw that trailer and was like, that's kind of weird. Most people are going to look at that trailer and think, what, what is this? Like, yeah. It looks dumb, and then they're not going to care about it. Yeah. Then there are going to be some people who are going to be on the fence about it. But most people, Last of Us, it's like Last of Us, is a more casual game. More yeah. people, more different kinds of groups got into Last of Us. More it has reached of outside of the typical gaming community. Yeah. And you know that so far as the Last of Us 2 panel that they had where they had the uh, Hannah whatever cooking person and she said that the Last of Us was one of the first games she'd ever played. Hannah the cooking person. I don't know. I mean, she does a cooking show where she drinks. I can't remember her name. Uh, is she a YouTuber? Hannah Hart? Hannah Hart, Yes. Yeah, that's a YouTuber. She's yes. an LGBT YouTuber. She, yeah. I think she works yes. for Rooster Teeth as well. Anyway, but yeah, she she brought up the fact that one of the first games she ever played was this. And that's yeah. why I bring that up of the... Well, I think it's a more casual kind of game because it is. it's a formula that people are familiar with. It's a it's a survival game. It's a zombie game. You know, Very cinematic. I've watched a, the trailer three times for Death Training. I can't tell you what that game's about. I know. So like, somebody says, what kind of game is this? I'm just going to say it's a Kojima game. Who's Kojima? <laughs> Guy who made Metal Gear Solid. What, what are those Metal games about? There's a war. There's a guy with a boss, and then the boss dies, but then not really. The, the, but the he's boss a clone. is a defector. Yeah, that's his. That's the same person. Oh, so is is that Solid Snake? That's Solid Snake. That's V. Who's that? That's his <laughs> clone of a brother with a nano machine arm. His name is Revolver, uh, or Liquid Ocelot. Is it Liquid Ocelot? And then they're like, who's that? And I'm like, that's Revolver Ocelot. Is that the same person? Kind that, of. In, in a way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
It really does go to the point. But what's more interesting about that is despite the fact that I think the Metal Gear Solid games are just as convoluted in their own right as some people would say the Kingdom Hearts. I I think it's fair to say Kingdom Hearts is more convoluted. But they both are games that you have to be very much ingrained in Me and Joe have talked about that before. We spent about two hours talking about the entire story of um, Metal Gear Solid. And and starting from Snake Eater... uh, and Peace Walker was one of the ones that, like, I've only played once, and it was way back when. Peace Walker's a great game. And it is. And that's a, it's one of those games that you kind of have to play, but you could also, or you have to know about. Yeah, you, you, you also, can read a, a, a synopsis. That's what I had to do when we talked about it. And I, I felt like, Joe knows a lot about Metal Gear Solid. He's, he's like us. Well, we know the full story. We know the twist. We know the characters. We know the game order. The only thing um, I actually don't know is I don't know how five ends. I've told you because I I know, but I don't remember it. Oh, and it's been one of those things where I probably did it in my brain where I was like, in case I'll I ever get around to playing it, but I, I won't. I'll I tell you after this because uh, I know you're not gonna play it. But uh, I could ex- we we talked about that for about two hours and all the character relationships and everything. We talked for Kingdom Hearts about an hour and we talked about pretty much the same thing: character mm-hmm. relations, the endings. Uh, I told him this was right before three came out, so I was explaining to him the plot of every game and what they meant. The only one I couldn't really touch on was the Union Cross, but I read clip notes for him for that because I didn't even really care for that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Well, and it's not, it wasn't finished at the time that 3 even released. Yeah, which is. Uh, but that's, that's my community question for you guys is that are you going to pick up Death Stranding? And if you are or aren't, why not? If you are excited because you like Hideo Kojima. Let us know. If you're not because you hate Hideo Kojima, also let us know. And uh, we'll go back over that with you in uh, episode 115. Yep, that sounds good. Thank you all. Until next time. Thank you, guys. Thanks to our patrons, Chad V., Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Douglas Blow, Sean Santarude, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Blow, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Coy Live, Philip Laguerre, Corey Hickerson, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, and Thomas McInnes. If you would like to support the show, you can do so by clicking the link in the description below or going to patreon.com slash nartech. Thank you.